As Washington and many European countries push to further isolate Russia for its invasion of Ukraine, many African nations have remained neutral. Nearly half of all the countries that abstained from condemning Russia's invasion of Ukraine at the UN General Assembly are in Africa, and many are reluctant to join sanctions against Russia. However, Anu Adioye, who studies Africa-Russia relations at the think tank Chatham House, says even though many African nations haven't condemned Russia, they're actually less supportive than they have been in previous conflicts. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So Africa obviously is a huge continent, but I was wondering if you could talk about some shared reasons many of these countries may have to want to stay neutral right now on this war in Ukraine? I think the war in Ukraine for a lot of African countries, many of them increasingly see this as a proxy battle between Russia and the West. So many leaders have decided that it would be in their best interest to stay neutral in this fight. We also need to know that since 2014, Russia has deliberately tried to be more influential on the African continent. And I think that means it has quite a number of countries on the African continent that consider Russia to be a good friend and a good ally. And I think some of this also goes back to the Soviet era. If we look at the voting patterns at the UN, of the 17 countries that abstained, a few countries in Southern Africa received quite a lot of support from the Soviet Union during their fight against colonial and imperial rule. Interesting. So although you're identifying that there are several countries who regard Russia as a, quote, good friend, there has been some shift since 2014, right? Because 17 African countries voted to abstain from the UN vote this time around, as opposed to 26 that abstained when Russia annexed Crimea in 2014. So we know that more African countries this time around are condemning Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Why that shift this time around? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, more countries decided to not abstain this time. If you look at the countries like Kenya, Lesotho, Mauritania, and Mauritius, and I think Kenya's position is instructive. In 2014, Kenya chose to abstain. And I think what this shift in position shows is that so many African countries have a much more lower tolerance from a full-on assault of a sovereign country. I mean, in 2014, what happened was Russia annexed Crimea and gave support to the Donbass regions, which to many African countries, that was only a territorial dispute. But now in 2022, a full-on assault against a sovereign nation is just a red line that so many African countries think that Russia has, has crossed. You know, almost every African nation has suffered some form of colonization or invasion or slavery at the hands of European countries in the past. I'm wondering, how do you think history plays into the way you see some African countries approaching Russia today? Right. There are people on the continent who see how Russia has been an imperialist power and, and think it should be condemned. But there are also people who see this as an increasingly proxy battle between the West and Russia. And I've decided that since Russia did not play any part in uh, colonizing Africa, people in Africa have decided that they will show support to the Russians. Well, let's talk about the economic forces at play here, because this conflict is already affecting various countries in Africa, like wheat prices are climbing there. If any African nations were to join the sanctions against Russia at this point, what further economic impact would you see? No African country has joined the sanctions regime. And like you said, the downstream effect of rising prices of wheat, for example, are already having effects in Africa joining 
any sanctions regime against Russia is going to hurt so many African countries. And we've seen that economies have been ravaged by the pandemic, by double-digit inflation. Anu Adioye of the think tank Chatham House, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. The Metropolitan Police has apologised over the strip searching of a black schoolgirl who was suspected of carrying cannabis. The force said it should never have happened. A report found the impact of the search on the girl was profound. Catherine Nash joins me now. And Catherine, what do we know about what happened here? Well, Sean, the details of this case have only come to light because a review was launched into the way that this teenage girl was treated. So police officers were called to her school by her teachers who believed she was in possession of drugs because they say she smelt of cannabis. Now, she was taken to a medical room by two female police officers while her teachers waited outside. So she was in that room on her own. And it was there that she was searched. And this was an intimate search. She was told to remove her clothing, including her underwear. And because they knew that she was on her period, she was also told to remove her sanitary pad as well. Now, no drugs were found on the girl. She was then put in a taxi home and she turned up in a very distressed state. Mm. Talk us through the findings then of the report. What did it say? Well, this report has found a number of things, a number of failings, if you like. It said that the strip search should have never have happened. It was unjustified that racism was likely to have been an influencing factor. Her experiences are unlikely to have been the same had she not been black. And it also said that it's highly likely that adultification bias was a factor. So this is when adults believe that black children are older than they actually are. Well, earlier we spoke to Leroy Logan. He's a former Metropolitan Police Officer to get his reaction to this case. I was absolutely appalled by it because there were so many breaches of police protocol and safeguarding measures that I just wondered what the officers were thinking of to carry out such an intimate search on safe ground, supposedly in a school, and they didn't see anything wrong. And the Metropolitan Police, what have they had to say? Well, they've issued a statement today and they've apologised to the teenager and to her family. They've also recognised that the incident should never have happened. Now, we also understand that three constables are being investigated for misconduct over this case as well. But in terms of the teenage girl, her family say that this has all had a profound effect on her. She was described as a once happy-go-lucky girl who's now turned into a timid recluse who needs therapy, all because of the way that she was treated that day. All right, Catherine, thank you. Context of white supremacy. Gus Steven again in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Sunday, March 20, 2022. So I have been told some reason the live feed is not working it was working on Friday then it stopped I know Mr. Reed was doing improvements to the network and making things spiffy I'm not sure if something got switched around or what have you but the live feed it's not working hopefully it'll be corrected soon and uh, the archive should be fine you can dial in listen via phone the number 720-716-7300 the code 564 
pound press star six one if you would like to participate the number again seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate that's it this is our monthly global sunday talk on racism work to incorporate folks from different parts of the world uh, onto the platform i think it's super important uh, to discuss racism white supremacy as a global problem not just something isolated to a few spots here or there but this is teamwork worldwide amongst the folks who say that they are white now <clears throat> before we get to some of the folks who will be joining us uh, the two reports that we heard certainly the situation in Ukraine so much to discuss there I thought it was significant that was NPR they had the segment where they're talking about different African countries and how they are responding to the situation in Ukraine uh, you know are they going to say something are they going to rebuke this and you know call out Vladimir Putin and Russia and you know this will not be tolerated or are they abstaining now I thought it was interesting because I've seen a few reports talking about you know Africa's response and they had Joe Biden's response at the end of the week President Biden saying you know hey China you all will be threatened you all you know try to support Russia or don't do the right thing on this right I thought wow I don't really think that they need anyone's permission concurrence agreement about the situation in Ukraine I just don't think that they need that um, if this is going to be like you all had better agree with us about all this or else type of a thing hmm and then they're going to go back and white supremacy racism comes up in everything that they said colonialism saying well hey some of this could be Russia support of different African so-called countries uh, during the long battles against colonialism white supremacy and so people have connections to that memories of that and so that might influence them to be a little softer not as judgmental uh, against the nation so-called of Russia hmm maybe at least something to think about I guess if you had a white person or white people who have been uh, helpful in some form but just and they didn't even address at least not in that segment hey the number of uh, African students who said we've been mistreated we're studying in the Ukraine and we've had difficulty getting out they didn't even bring that up it was just all about hey what's your opinion on this are you with us are you going to be supporting Putin and company that was one and then the second report man I was really working to see if we could get one of our previous guests on the program uh, Toyin Abetu uh, he's been with us many times uh, over the years uh, he was doing a protest uh, or a part of a protest yesterday in London uh, about the abuse of girl or child Q uh, in London you heard the stri uh, strip search uh, in suspicion saying that she was under suspicion of uh, peddling narcotics 15 year old and I mean 
they have they reported that she was on her menstrual cycle they made her remove her sanitary towel I'm going to read it directly from the voice online the, the exact details so it says she was strip searched by officers in the knowledge that she was menstruating before being forced to remove her sanitary towel made to bend over spread her legs use her hands to spread her buttocks and cough she did not have cannabis or any other drugs that's not school treatment that is straight prison treatment they had protests about that uh, yesterday generally I think like man they do when I first saw the detail or when I first saw the report I did not see the details I was like man they do this to black students in the U.S. all the time like me so I talked to Andrea and them about this like you all are out protesting about this they do this every day like remember officer slam back in 2015 and they handcuffed a little black uh, six-year-old her wrists were so small that they fell out of the handcuffs like they do this sort of thing all the time I didn't see oh she was menstruating oh spread oh I cannot even imagine uh, we'll check in see if we have some of our folks in the UK with us uh, who probably heard more details about all this in fact I think Andrew is an educator but man I will only say extraordinarily demonic illustration when you play around with sex the joke is on the offspring do you have a plan in place before you get to the bedroom this incident to the best of my ability will never happen to my little black girl she's not going to be in your schools you will never have an opportunity to just aren't you some little drug mule that's what they call it in the US you know <clears throat> having narcotics on you and that sort of thing you're transporting the drugs aren't you you know out here peddling narcotics I am a future like brain physician like what are you talking about peddling narcotics like get out of here man <laughs> anywho uh, we will get more details about all of those different reports as we proceed uh, let's see we should have I guess I'll give it one more ring uh, we had Andrew in the UK who I thought would be most uh, familiar with all of this I've been trying to see if we we're getting him on the line we're having some difficulty nabbing him in uh, as we're trying again see if we nab him with us uh, let's see I think we have African 1884 should be with us African 1884 are you with us sir yes uh, good afternoon good evening wherever you are good morning can you hear me cuz crystal uh, let's see uh, we also have joining us from Sweden uh, should have Adam with us from Sweden are you with us sir 
Yes, sir. I'm here. Uh, peace to everyone online. Uh, hopefully, we can have a uh, constructive dialogue. Here, 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 here. Uh, let's see. The line is still connecting with Andrew, so I'll continue to try him as we proceed. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to nap him on as well <clears throat> uh, to chat it up about some of the events. Uh, while we're waiting for Andrew, uh, I guess I'll start with the situation uh, in the Ukraine, uh, since that was the audio segment that I played first. Uh, I'm not sure uh, how much or how far along all of this had evolved over the past 30 days since we spoke last. But wow, that has been certainly a dominant piece of uh, news information over the past two, three weeks or so. So many different components of it have included racism. As I said, uh, they've had numerous incidents of black and non-white refugees uh, in Ukraine saying that they're studying or there for whatever reason, uh, where they've been restricted, prohibited from leaving, uh, encountering flagrant racism, where they've not been allowed to board trains to exit, uh, even when they've said women and children and even pregnant women being refused opportunities to exit. Uh, we heard the report uh, about this. Hey, what do you think, Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa? You all are you all going to support Vladimir Putin and this aggression, all of that, as well as uh, President Joe Biden uh, kind of doing the same thing with China and letting them know, like, hey, you better be right in terms of whose side you're going to be on uh, in all of this. Uh, no, I was looking forward. What uh, I guess we'll start with uh, African 1884. Now he's in Austria. <clears throat> What have you been hearing in terms of how these events have been discussed? Uh, well, I guess we'll start there. I have several questions. Just what's been the discussion in your part of the world about how all of this is being talked about? Yeah, thank you, Gus. Um, so um, Austria being in Central Europe, uh, Austria tries to play more or less a neutral position. However, it has also clearly distanced itself from the actions of, of Russia and in support of Ukraine. There's a lot of uh, resources that have been mobilized. I've never seen anything like that ever with regard to a crisis. I mean, we had Mali. Uh, we had, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, recently, there was a bombing in, uh, in Somalia. Uh, we have Yemen since 2014. Uh, but nothing has ever been done with regard to mobilizing resources to support quote-unquote refugees. Uh, so a lot of Ukrainians have been allowed free entry into Austria. Uh, theaters are open for them. They can they can uh, access different theaters if they want to. Uh, Airbnb uh, uh, made it uh, uh, clear to everyone that if you have an apartment, and you're willing to give anyone from Ukraine a Ukrainian accommodation, then uh, they'll reimburse you for that. In fact, a lot of their their houses, uh, their apartments, have been uh, set aside for the Ukrainians, and uh, this is uh, specifically uh, geared towards supporting white people. Because just as you said, we saw the videos in regard to how uh, African people, black people, are treated. Uh, also include black people because, you know, we have also some brothers who uh, African-American brothers who play basketball for the Ukrainian uh, league. Uh, many of them were not allowed to leave the country 
uh, someone to leave the country in advance, but they were told if they do leave, then their contracts will be terminated. Uh, so you have a situation where uh, black people from the U.S. were going to Ukraine to look for opportunities uh, with regard to uh, career-wise, and also black people from uh, Africa going to Ukraine to 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 look for opportunities with regard to uh, studying medicine. Uh, or looking for uh, also a way to to support themselves. Um, so uh, in Austria specifically, again, they've not done any reporting regard to how the black people have been treated. Nothing has been mentioned in the media. However, like I said, uh, you have the churches, banks everywhere, the banners saying, "Let's support Ukraine uh, and uh, let's 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 bring peace uh, to the world and everything." So, yeah, that's that's the situation right here in Vienna specifically. Thank you. Wow. That is amazing. Like all components of it. Like he said, now, now, wait a minute. Now, let me go back for details. Now, you said uh, they're setting aside housing uh, that Austria, they central Europe, they try to be neutral. They're setting aside housing and being reimbursed. So it's not like they're losing out on money if they want to, you know, be benevolent in this time of tragedy. And, you know, hey, you all are looking for sanctuary. I got a B&B. I was going to try and make some money off of it. But, oh, well, some things are more important than profit. You all can shack up here until you get things figured out. No, we will reimburse you so you will still get your money and you can be benevolent and look out. Now, are any of the. African refugee, refugees, non-white people, are they, hey, great accommodations. You can come get an Airbnb or an apartment or whatever and come hang out in Austria until you get back together. Have you seen non-white refugees come in there and hanging out? Uh, only, I've only seen um, Sudanese uh, students who are studying in Ukraine. Some of them are here now in Vienna, Austria to be exact. And uh they're being supported by the small Sudanese community here. Um, otherwise, the, the the thing is that we, we, with this access to apartments that were being uh, put aside for people uh, through Airbnb, I think you need to have a network and, and uh, a network of white people who are going to see to it that you get uh, these uh, facilities or the access to these spaces. Um, and, and I believe the Sudanese community here, uh, since it's a very closed-off community, they don't really uh, gauge a lot with white people in terms of uh, having a network. I mean, they do experience white supremacy racism, but in terms of having a network to get resources, they're not really that plugged in. So uh, the students that came uh, from Ukraine, Sudanese students, uh, they were staying in a, in a small uh, community center that was uh, that's been established and uh, it's been run by the Sudanese community um, I mean this is uh, very clear I remember even with, the, with regard to uh, the Syrian uh, uh, situation where you had many people coming from Syria um, and moving through uh, Turkey uh, Hungary and some are trying to go to Germany France Austria and the UK uh, so what happened uh, when other refugees, Somalians, uh, specifically Nigerians, were joining that wave, they were being held back. Uh, the same thing I see happening with the uh, African black uh, refugees uh, who are leaving Ukraine. So uh, just to answer your question, uh, none of that is being provided to the Sudanese uh, refugees that I've seen here. Uh, they're just being supported by the, their own uh, community here. 
world nigger law mm. pitiful very very pitiful what is also uh pitiful in all of that i did not know that they had professional basketball teams in the ukraine i did know that you know they have lots of pro teams you know all over europe and all over the world uh where a lot of uh black basketball players uh, ncaa or uh, guys if they played in the league for a little while and then they can't stay on a team they'll go overseas still play professionally make your money and you know get your dream of playing professionally uh, i did not think oh wow there might be some black guys stuck in the and not just black guys like african-american if that means anything to you all uh they have a number of reports uh this is the one from uh complex how maurice creek a professional basketball player trapped in the Ukraine escaped the war. Uh, he says, I'm not gonna read the whole thing. Just a little bit. He says, after spending a harrowing handful of days watching an invasion, he was told wouldn't happen. Break out in front of him as he shuffled between an apartment and a bomb shelter, wondering if he'd ever make it home and why he was left stranded. Creek knows he's incredibly lucky. He just can't believe he has all these stories because he honestly didn't think he was going to live to tell them. I play Call of Duty a lot. For me to be playing that game and watching movies about war sometimes and now I'm actually in it, I thought I was going to fucking die, says Creek. And I will stop there. G-rated, I like to keep it. I mean, that's what he said. They didn't edit it, and he thought he was going to die, so, you know, I'm going to read what he said. I just, I mean, he goes on to give some really ugly details about all of this, but, like, wow. I cannot imagine playing Call of Duty, which is one of those just go out and shoot and kill as many people as you can, single-player games, and I think you role-play as a white man. I can't imagine playing that while whites are out in conflict and shooting and bombing each other like hmm. the video games of white supremacy culture uh let's see much obliged african 1884 let's check a uh, different area adam in sweden uh, now these are the nords everyone loves the nords higher up on the uh white uh, white hierarchy um what has been the discussion there in an election year too he told us to keep in mind in that so what's been the discussion in your part of the world about this invasion of the ukraine just a lot of reporting a lot uh, on the white on white crime in eastern europe uh, the swedish people here quote unquote, are on the ukrainian side uh, i think they they got. Uh, they sent some weapon uh, to the Ukraine. And, um, uh, there has been no reporting on the practice of racism uh, against non-white people. Uh, but there has been. Re they are reporting about quote-unquote sexism against uh, Ukrainian women on social media. Um, the uh, Ukrainian refugees are uh, getting a warm welcome by a fellow. Um, Europeans, uh, they are being served warm pizza by the uh, migration agency in Stockholm. Um, and 
where I live, uh, north of Stockholm, there's been uh, schools who are now open uh, with beds for uh, them uh, to get three food three times a day, uh, shower, clean bed sheets, Wi-Fi, and more, uh, and they can travel for free. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, Prime Minister uh, Magdalena Andersson said on February 18th that uh, other countries should uh, take responsibility for the Ukrainian immigrants. Um, found that to be very interesting. Whites have room for uh, quote unquote white immigrants, but uh, no room. In, uh, no help for uh, non-white immigrants. Uh, no warm pizza. They get um, uh, uh, a cold concrete in the middle of Stockholm or whatever, whatever city in, in Sweden. Uh, that's what racism, white supremacy uh, looks like. Uh, and I could be incorrect. Man, if I didn't know better. I would say you you sound a little bit jealous, man, because he mentioned that warm pizza twice. Like, man, they are hooking these folks up. Like, I've been. How long have you been in Sweden, sir? Yeah, uh, I, I was born here. Oh, right on, native. So, I was born in '99, so. Okay, I've been hanging out here for decades, and like, have you seen uh, when they've had non-white refugees come in for whatever reason? And so you have like a, a lifetime compared or at least a, a own personal experience of contrast when they've had non-white refugees come in and they're hurting and, and in, in need of a helping hand. You're telling us they didn't get warm pizza and nice hookup, three hots and a cot and Wi-Fi. Yeah, I've, I've been paying attention to it, but uh, while that was happening, I wasn't really... Um, uh, a big news guy, and so I don't really um, remember exactly how the non-white people was um, treated, but I think there's a difference since we're in a system of white supremacy. So you still always suspect that uh, the non-white people get worse treatment by white people. For sure. In fact, I don't remember. Uh, mm-hmm. We could pick Hurricane Katrina. I think we could pick a number of them. I don't remember them having Domino's, Papa Joe's, uh, Papa John, sorry, uh, Pizza Hut, any uh, California Pizza Kitchen. I don't remember them having that for the folks at Hurricane Katrina. Like uh, some of the folks said they were struggling to get bottled water, much less Wi Fi. I mean, we're really clowning. Like, come on. Uh, what what is the uh, you said that they were not reporting on the racism against the non-white black refugees, which has been widely reported around the world, really. But they were talking about sexism against the Ukraine women. What what were they saying was happening to the Ukraine women? Uh, they were being objectified on social media by um, um, by I think by. By the Aver board, obviously, the uh, comments like uh, adopting uh, Ukrainian women to protect them from the Russian occupation. Um, 
comments like, I only care about the beautiful Ukrainian women who are being imported safely to China. Uh, comments like that on the Twitter. Hmm. Now, that, at least in my opinion, uh, now I totally agree that's incorrect. You know, that's certainly not people having to, you know, run for their lives and taking things out on their back. That's totally inappropriate. But man, that even that kind of falls in the same line that many people have observed in terms of the white supremacy racism when it's black people, any part of the world, go back to uh, New Orleans, Hurricane Katrina, or you can pick anywhere uh, where black people pick any country on the continent, pick anywhere. Uh, you can come back to this hemisphere, pick somewhere in South, uh, South America, already got the states anytime where it's black people and they need assistance. That's not, oh my gosh, these people are so beautiful. Not that I would want that. Not that I would want that. But I mean, it's not, oh my gosh, their women are so beautiful. Oh, these people are so gorgeous. Yes, we need lots of them. Oh, that's not it. Oh my God, these drug peddling Negroes. Oh, oh. It's been tons of commentary about the blue-eyed, blonde white people. Oh, this is a disgrace that this is happening to the. So, I mean, that's very much in line. Uh, these blue eyed, blonde, white women. Mm, oh, yes. We need to adopt them. Oh, they're so beautiful. Oh, yes. They can't be refugees. Like, white supremacy racism again. In fact, I checked uh, the BBC today and they had a report. It was talking about some of the treatment of the refugees and where they're going to try to, you know, restart their lives. They had photos of three different white women, all three of them blue eyes. I think they had blonde hair. I have to go back and look again, but they all had blue eyes. And it was one of those really tight in close. You can see all their teeth and pores in their face and everything like, oh, the inhumanity of it. White women. Uh, has there been any uh, have you heard the, the dialogue? You said it's been so much discussion about this in terms of no mention of racism but any uh, discussion in terms of China's involvement are they going to support Russia or any other non-white areas any of the countries in Africa are they going to get involved in this and do the right thing to be honest there's been so much reporting that I don't almost lose care for it I mean I look for the news uh, I just listen to the compensatory calling and it's, it's like oh there's other things happening in the world so I just completely shut all that out. Might not be the best thing to do, but you know, it's been so much. It's, it's ridiculous. I feel you. I've had to do the same thing. It has been uh, a deluge. I think that would be correct. I mentioned Katrina. It has been a deluge. Uh, and that also white supremacy racism uh we gotta pay attention we can't have these blue-eyed blonde white women and white men and white children be forgotten about like they have made sure that that has been at the forefront of everyone in the world's attention so yeah certainly uh i can uh i can certainly relate on being saturated compensatory call in much obliged uh saturdays i have no idea what time it comes on live out there but at least live out here it's uh 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. It would be really late. Uh, so you can always catch the archives for folks. Four o'clock. Oh, I'd be catching the archives every time. Nobody on the cows is that cool. Uh, much obliged for listening on the other side of the world. 
Uh, man, I'm still I'm struggling to nab Andrew so we can get him on as well to uh, get his thoughts on the Ukraine situation, all the rest of it. I had said we had this happen before. They, they moved the clocks ahead in the States already. And this doesn't happen in London, some of the other areas until later. And in fact, we've been progressively uh, moving the clocks ahead earlier and earlier. So uh, it normally there's an eight hour time difference between Andrew and myself for this window. Now it's seven hours. We've had this before. We're missed out. So we weren't able to include his commentary. Uh, we'll continue trying to see if we can get him on um, while uh I'm waiting for Andrew, and he's the one in the UK. I thought he'd have the most uh, detail. Did you all hear about the report that I mentioned? This young black girl, they didn't give her name. They're just calling her Child Q. I don't know who picked that name or significance. They're just, I do know that standard did not name minors. Uh, but did you hear about this report of this young girl being strip searched during her menstrual cycle? at school by enforcement officials on suspicion that she was peddling drugs and then turns out that's not so they said she she smelled like cannabis that's what prompted all of this did you all hear about this uh, incident that happened I guess this past uh, this past week I think in England well, we'll start with Adam I didn't okay I just learned about it yesterday myself so why it's important to learn uh african 1884 did you hear about this incident with uh they're calling her child q no sir uh i i didn't hear i've been heard from it um, and i'm just reading up on it right now it's not being reported out here mm -hmm. i didn't hear that i the only reason i heard about this was uh toyin who I was hoping we could get on the program, but he's, they've been protesting. He was out in the streets uh, yesterday, but he was tweeting about this. I've said for years, like hate social media and all that stuff. But that's the only reason that I saw this. I went and was checking out his Twitter feed and he was out. They had a huge protest and lots of black people. I think they probably had some non-white, I mean, some white people out as well, but they were protesting about all this. Like, if you are an attempted parent, this is why you have to talk to your children about racism. And in my opinion, this is why it is imperative. Aren't we all uh, African 1884? Aren't you a parent? Yes, sir. I'm an attempted parent. Yes, I am. Thought so. I know Adam, not a parent, but he said he was going to be working on material to put together. This is one you can put in that folder. I don't know if you, if folks remember it or what have you, but he was with us a while back and said, man, that's a good idea to have information together to tell my offspring. This is the sort of report I would put in that folder. Like, this is why this problem is so serious. This is why, you know, we're doing our alternative school thing and all of that. We're trying as best we can to make sure that this never happens to you and to solve this problem permanently so that this never happens to another black child ever but i mean for real for real like except for the sanitary napkin part that is wow that is a whole nother level of barbarism but if if it had not included that this sort of thing happens every day in the states like i would have played it but i mean it would have just been like eh, you know they call them uh, resource officers 
in the states they would be the ones that would be doing this sort of thing but a black child in the states being slammed body slammed pepper sprayed shot any all of the above daily occurrence here and called a nigger uh during all of that uh for african 1884 just to ask have you all you know thought about your your child's academic program and what it's gonna gonna look like to try to avoid some of these type of horrors of white supremacy racism what they have planned for black children yeah it's a good question guys i mean right now um my child is uh uh two years old um and is going to what you call kindergarten or nursery school already there uh we uh, my wife and I are experiencing a lot of uh, challenges, you know, with regard to racism uh, being the fact that uh, there are only two kinds of white people in the world, white supremacists and white supremacist suspects. So recently we were told that he's uh, not responding to uh, one, of the, one of the teachers when she calls out uh, to him. Uh, mind you that my son speaks, uh, is growing up speaking English, uh, Arabic, uh, Swahili, and German. So in the home, we speak English and Arabic, uh, and, and German, uh, with his grandparents, he also speaks Arabic, and sometimes with my parents, he speaks Swahili. So he's growing up speaking, uh, almost four languages and everything. So recently we were told that, yeah, there's something wrong with his concentration and, they recommended that we should uh, seek some medical advice because they feel that he's not developing well. Uh, but I don't see anything like that. You know, he's, he's a smart kid. You know, and is uh, is again is just trying to uh, manage all the four languages and everything. Um, so uh, they, they they suggest that we we go again seek some medical counseling or advice and everything. Um, and we we say that we will think about that. So uh, now going forward in, in the future, for sure, I mean, he's already two years old and we, we see the kind of energy that's around him, you know, uh, so for sure when he's going to be in, in, in high school, you know, in primary school, you know, uh, grade school and also in university, then, you know, we, we're trying to be prepared for that. Uh, we, we, we hope that uh, he won't have to study here when he's going to, uh, we won't have to attend his high school in in. In, in Europe or in Austria, my wife and I are trying to uh, get jobs in, in, in Africa, any African country, because both of us work for international organizations. So we hope to uh, relocate at some point, you know, but uh, we're trying to prepare him, you know, uh, I've got a lot of reading material, you know, uh, a lot of books that I have that uh, I, I hope to have him read and everything. Even his, his, his own books that I read to him before he goes to sleep, uh, they really emphasize uh, his, 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 his pride with regard to his skin color and him not having to question that and everything. So uh, it's a challenge, you know. So um, just to answer your question, I mean, we, we, we're, we're, we're on that at the moment, my wife and I. Thank you. Wow. That is amazing. I can barely speak English correctly and say he's two years old. His son or child, I'm sorry, uh, can speak German. Arabic, English, Swahili. That is amazing. Wow. And then it's not he goes to school and wow. 
you all are doing such an amazing job like uh, I'm struggling to speak English myself and he's already no 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 he gets to school and it's hmm, something's wrong with him and isn't this familiar medical intervention maybe we need some medication got some pills or something that we can get him because I don't know he just can't concentrate don't <laughs> it seems like we've heard hey, that would be one too now why is it that black children all over the world can't pay attention in class gotta be strip searched threat of selling drugs or raping somebody or both why is that the case all over the world for black children again for attempted parents mandatory talk to your offspring about white supremacy racism racists they already got like even at two look at that they already got our plans together two years of, oh yeah oh yeah they already see his little brain computer is just working and learning I don't know shut all that down get some riddling in there yes yes that's what we need medication yes was this a white woman who recommended the medication let's see how close this is to the states was this a white woman <laughs> yes, sure, that. Mm. Sure, sure, sure. It's a white woman, you know. He's he's only he's only black child in, in the kindergarten, you know. Mm. So mm. It's, it's it's all white, yeah. <sighs> California, New York, Austria, Berlin. Sometimes it seems like it doesn't really. You just got to look at the clock to you know make sure you get your time zone accurate but other than that it is about the same in many respects unfortunately while we're trying to change all of this uh, let me see I'll try to get Andrew with us uh, once again uh, now if he gets here right on the hour like wowzers because that'll be the second time I have to even go back in the archives to see if that happened last year uh, the same way where um us the time being adjusted uh, in the states for spring uh, if that happened again where he gets here exactly an hour later like eh, blame white people for the time change anywho uh, the number if folks have questions uh, thoughts they would like to ask our international participants uh, the number is 720-716-7300 <clears throat> pardon the code 564-943 pound press star six one if you would like to participate i see our uh victim in new jersey uh before i get our victim in new jersey two quick questions our caller and adam did i tell a lie you you did say that before that you're still young man still learning trying to understand white supremacy racism so offspring or down the road did you say you were working on your folder of information you wanted to share with your offspring or folder or booklet or whatever yes sir yes sir i have a document i feel it every now and then what i'm going to do what i'm going to say but uh, hearing reports like this makes me not even want to have offspring (sighs) under the system of course Tell me about it. I don't have offspring myself. And in fact, uh, it was a black parent uh, as one of the 
more poignant sound clips that I've heard over the year. This was right after um, so many victims. Michael Brown Jr. Uh, was killed in August 2014. They were talking to uh, black. They were out protesting. They were talking to a black parent, a uh, black mom, and she said uh, she didn't want to have any more children. She said she had a son. She didn't want to have any more children. She's afraid for her son. She said, "Who wants to have uh, a black child for this?" Who wants to do that? No way. Very logical. And again, why? Super motivated to get this problem solved immediately. Uh, sir, can I give another reason? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, what I find interesting is there was a black child uh, that got murdered. Um, back in the 90s by a racist but I can't find the details of uh, what happened on the news website's archives and it says it happened in 90, 1993 and uh, when I go to news website archives um, I can't find it in 1993 so that's just another reason right there the worthlessness of black life now normally with a child <clears throat> they have all kinds of reports and details everybody wigs out about you know the death of a child as they should the death of a child except black children that is eh, eh. it's probably peddling drugs anyway night that that's the year Stephen Lawrence was uh, killed by race soldiers I hope it wasn't the Stephen Lawrence case because that's pretty popular but I think it was 1993 if memory serves but this case is pretty popular so that one I hope it wasn't that one they have lots of details uh, in the archives on that one uh, before we nab uh, what area of the world was it where this black child was killed was it Sweden it was, yeah, it was, right, it was in Stockholm oh maybe cows listeners if they have some free time can investigate a black child do you have any details uh, no, uh, I have. To, I think I have to go to the library in Stockholm to find the details you know, about it. They got a big, big library. Uh, where you can go. Hmm. I support library trips. I just talked about mine to the U Dubs uh, library. I'll do that later on. But yeah, if you find anything, let us know. I would love to uh, see it. But I, I'm not surprised at all. The global worthlessness of black lives my they when they were going to search a listener just shared when they were going to search for the body of the civil rights workers and i think this might have happened with one of the other murders as well but they were going with Emmett Till when they were going to get his body and they found uh the body of a different black male most of the times when they say the support it'll just be black male in a court t-shirt and they won't even give any more detail they don't give the person's name who was he how did he die when where did you arrest anybody just be oh yeah we found another body anyway moving on worthlessness of black life uh our caller in new jersey victim of racism in new jersey uh did you have uh questions for any of our folks around the world Yes. Hey, how you doing, gentlemen? Um, so um, the, the the news outlet that's called RT um, 
has RT been banned in your part of the world, Russia today? In my other world, yes. That was Adam in uh, Sweden, banned African 1884 in Austria. Well, I've been I've been uh, seeing um, come across it of late. Uh, I'm not quite sure. Now, I'm not sure. Did you find that? Do you find that news um, news uh, credible? RT? Did, did did you guys even like uh, when it was you know um, accessible? Did, did you guys tune into RT? Yeah, I used to. I used to. I used to tune into it. Um, it's been a while now since I did. Um, I haven't really tuned into it. Because what I, I asked that question because I've just noticed the pattern. So um, dealing with the Ukraine situation, so I just happened to scroll through news article from Al Jazeera to uh, I think it's BBC to CNN to Fox News. All of them are like I mean, if you just take away said news outlet, all of them are basically saying. The same thing, and, and and I don't know. Have you noticed that pattern even with Al Jazeera? I mean, you know, do you see any uh, any, you know, just wor- worthy coverage of the situation from Al Jazeera? Did you guys check in with them? Yeah, I've been I've been seeing Al Jazeera, and, uh, and they've been reporting on on the, uh, on the war, uh, the battle in Ukraine. Um, and, and just to, uh, again, when you mentioned RT, uh, I just did a quick search now and I realized, uh, again, I just went, uh, slipped through the cracks here in Vienna for me in Austria. And I'm um, just reading that uh, uh, Vienna in Austria, RT has been banned. Yeah. So uh, just to answer your, your previous question, yeah, it has been banned in Austria. Okay, do you guys like, you know, just, you know, do you guys agree with that? Like, I mean, do y'all agree with the banning of um, other news outlets that can give us a clearer understanding of what's going on in Ukraine? I haven't, uh, I only check like BBC News. Uh, I'm not really hip to Al Jazeera. So, but, uh, so I don't really, I don't really know. Right, okay. Okay. Um, my, my next question is still dealing with the uh, Ukraine. So you, you, I heard you guys basically report, well, I don't know if it was Gus, reported on they, they're kind of uh, saying how attractive the uh, Ukrainian women are. Um, did, did y'all see, do y'all kind of still see that same behavior as they also describe Ukrainian president? Like I have, I've seen them kind of like you know, making him into like, you know, this hero president and also kind of like a sex symbol at the same time. Have you guys witnessed that? Uh, I've witnessed uh, him being treated like a, like a hero, but not a, not a sex symbol. Yeah, I mean, even here in, in Vienna, in Austria, I mean, he's been treated as a hero. 
uh, he has a lot of support, food support and everything. Um, you know, so, I mean, yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, I have, I've witnessed that. I've, I mean, if it might not have been like, a, you know, a lot of news outlets, but they have, you know, commented on, you know, just, you know, how, how, how well he looks in his, you know, his, his uh, green T-shirts and, you know, things of that nature, which, which I just think is just, you know, just tacky. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Much obliged, Thank you. Our- caller in uh New Jersey that uh I Al Jazeera I would agree that much of the coverage around the Ukraine situation specifically much of that coverage has been very similar regardless of the uh news outlets I will say from the coverage that I've seen uh, I think Al Jazeera they've had some they've had some quality segments um I played the report uh, The Listening I think is the segment from Al Jazeera where they were talking about the coverage and they included themselves uh, but they were talking about how the networks uh, similar things that we have been discussing about how they've been saying that oh my gosh seeing these white people and they said white people like they weren't um, sanitizing the language they were being very direct uh, and saying oh my gosh they are white people blue eyed blonde haired white people and why are we responding this way they were calling it out as racist uh, that media outlets were talking uh, about the situation in this manner even Al Jazeera uh, I thought that one was pretty good um, I think they've, I'm talking about Al Jazeera they've had a few other segments uh, but for the most part I, I totally agree it's been you know pretty much the same uh, standard line from all of the uh, different uh, news outlets and such about this um, I think look at that right at the hour mark so I don't know if this is the time difference but we it is right on the hour mark that we did nab Andrew with us uh, jolly good to have you uh, on the line with us Andrew uh, in the UK um, are you with us sir yes Gus glad to be here glad to be here for sure, for sure. Glad to have you with us. Uh, we already talked about uh, Child Q in England. Now, other folks, they're not in England, so they didn't know about the situation. I didn't know about it either uh, until I saw Toyin Agbetu, his uh, Twitter feed, where he was out at the protests and what have you. Uh, you are an educator in, in England. Uh, had you been following what happened with uh, Child Q? Sorry, are we talking about the young black school child that was strip searched? Yes, sir. Right, yeah. Well, the thing is, you know, this thing happened apparently two years ago. And um, so I'm not quite sure how, I mean, I didn't know about it until this week. You know, I didn't know about it until the beginning of the week. Um, I saw it on the the morning news, uh, probably Monday or Tuesday. And then it was all over the news this week, you know, so but it's not something that I knew about a year ago. It's, it's not something I knew about a year ago. It's not something I knew about two years ago. Um, no, it's not something we knew about. So this for some reason it was. I'm, well, I, I don't know. I don't know why it was. Oh, clearly, it was kept secret. But um, it's a it's a it's a terrible thing. I mean, you know, but but it's not the first instance of this that's happened in UK schools. 
you know, whether it's strip searched by police and, uh, you know, you know, all kinds of dodgy stuff happens in, in, in schools over the years. That is, I don't know. Now I've just pointed that out in terms of how white supremacy racism operates. A lot of times they will have incidents, something incorrect will happen. It won't be reported immediately. They'll wait now two years. I don't know why this would be something where you would need to wait for two years. If you're going to report on it, go ahead and report on it. We, this is the investigation shouldn't happen and move. For, I don't know why you would need to wait uh, two years for all of this or why it would need to be uh, released now. Um, yeah, I don't know if the, the yeah, that's just bizarre in and of itself. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that, uh, this sort of thing happens regularly, whether it's strip searches, cause they had many reports at the voice online, uh, dot UK, uh, dot CO dot UK, sorry, uh, where they talked about how black Londoners are much more likely to be strip searched, I guess, whether they're in the classroom or not. Uh, and then these sort of things happening to students Were you, did you go out to the protests and whatnot? I think they had some rallies this week out around London Hackney. Yes. Yeah, no, I didn't go out to any of the protests to be honest. I didn't know that. I didn't know there were any protests until today. I mean, again, I just turned on the news and I just thought, all right, okay. So you're, there are protests. The, the one that I saw on the news was, um, it's unless I've unless I got it totally wrong because I'm I'm actually I'm, I'm doing about three things all at once. I didn't watch all of it in detail, um, but you know it, it, that one seemed to be led by or have entities in it by BLM. I'm not saying that's the only one, but that's the one that the uh, th- that the mainstream news de- clearly decided to cover. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's a, if that's, if that's great, but anywho, um, yeah, you know, the, the bigger picture of all of this is, is that there's, you know, this is not a new thing. The bigger picture of all of this is that, uh, is, is that, uh, really a lot of school leaders in the UK are just basically racist, right? Um, you know, a, a lot of schools in the UK, especially in, in the city schools, they have, um, police based in the school. These police, you know, these, you know, the head teacher in this case thought it necessary to call an outside, uh, to call on outside police help. You know, when the police got there, they should have straight away. They should have, they should have realized this is not for the police. It's an in-school matter. Even if, even if a child, you know, because they claimed that the child was smelling of cannabis, right? That, that's what they claimed. In such a case, it's it's just a nonsense to call outside police if you know you could search their bags and that's fine if this if the school kid refuses to be searched then then they refuse to be searched then you call the parents you know and then you and then you simply say we smell weed on your on your on your kids on your child you know and just have a chat with the with the you know with the family you know that's all with the parents you know that's what you do it's ridiculous to call outside police and that's what they decided to do. And when the police, so that's one racist act. And when the police got there, the fact that they searched the children in the, the child in the first place, that's the second racist act, you know? So, so, so that's a, you know, but it's a, it's a regular thing, you know, I mean, how school, how white school leaders decide to treat um, uh, non-white kids has been like that, you know, since I've been a kid in this country. throughout the entire history of white supremacy racism. Um, and that's what I said, as 
an educator. I thought he would have a great perspective on this, an educator and an attempted parent. Andrew is, did you speak with your offspring about this incident? No, no, but I will do, you know, I will do. I'll have a little chat with him to see if he's heard about it. I mean, to be honest, you know, um, my son, seemed, he's got two things going on at the moment. He's got he's got his exams coming up. So I want him to be fully focused on that. And the other thing he's got, he, he likes to mess about on, like all kids, is, is, um, is his mobile phone and stupid, stupid electronic games. You know, so um, so you know that's the age that he's at, you know. But uh, I'll, I'll I will have a little chat with him about it just to see what he thinks. You know, I mean, you know, <clears throat> I mean, if you're a non-white parent, if you're if you're an African heritage parent, having children in in racist countries, I, I personally wouldn't advise it. If I were to do it again, I I wouldn't grow. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't choose to have kids in a in a racist country. No way, because it, I mean. As soon as they're out of your sight, you can't protect them, and and that's a massive issue. You know, it's a big issue. You know, I I I, it's, it, I, I wouldn't advise it at all. If you if you got the choice to go to another country and have your children there, I'd do it. It's worth it's worth every penny. It's worth every penny. So I know a lot of people say I can't afford it. It's worth it's worth re- selling your house and using part of your money to go and relocate. In that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> that's my personal opinion. Wow. Now we did before you got here, uh, African eighteen eighty four, he did say he and his partner, uh, because they work at an international organization, they're looking to see if they can get jobs on the continent so that they can relocate. Their child's the only black child in the school and they're trying to get him on medication at two, saying he's got some mental problems and can't concentrate. I don't know. Get him some medical intervention early. Then have Andrew come in and say, uh, yeah, if I could do it all over again, I would not have a child in a racist country like, wow, and it's worth it to sell your house, all of it to get out of here. So what would that look like if you got to do it over again? What would your plan for conceiving a black child in a system of white supremacy look like? What would you do that you didn't do the first time around? Gus, you and I, any child that grows up in, in, in a racist country experiences microaggression. Right? And also macroaggressions, but the microaggressions is like a dripping tap. And what it does, yeah, it, it, it destroys your mental health. I mean, that's what it does. I mean, you know, a lot of um, uh, Dr. Creswellsing's work is about the drip, drip, drip of microaggressions and macroaggressions, you know. So, so no, given the choice, again, if I, was to, if I could do it again, which I'd like to, it'd be about going to an African country. You know, it'd be about going to an African country and doing children there. I mean, there's lots of issues in Ghana, Nigeria, Togo, um, Sierra Leone, um, Cameroon, DR, you know, DRC and all over, Swaziland, you know, anyway, any. But you know what? At least you don't have to necessarily put up with, 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 you know, being called, you know, having to put up with stupid, stupid comments from from racist white people. You don't have to put up with that literally as soon as you walk out your house until you come home from work. Your children don't have to put up with that in nursery school, 
you guys, you guys call it kindergarten. You, you know, your children doesn't have to put up with it in in high school. We call it secondary school. Your child doesn't have to put up put up with it in college. And you, you know, we call it you know we call it sixth form college. Your child doesn't have to put up with it in university. After like Cres Wells indig, remember, remember that she said, you know, she was told if she wants to attain uh, her her qualification or tenure, she needs to shut up. Right. So you know, if you go to an African country, you don't have to you don't have to necessarily put up with you know, that day-to-day foolishness. Um, so, you know, that would be my preference. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, that, you know that, that I can't make that journey. I can't do that. It's not going to happen for me. I've never been before. It's terrible over there. I can't go there. It's, there's always wars. There's famine, da-da-da-da-da. No, go, go. You know, if you're going to go on holiday to South America, or if you're going to go on holiday, if you're thinking about coming on holiday to England, which is a terrible idea, you know, spend a few more hundred pounds and go and go, you know, figure it and just go to where you come from anyway. Just, just go, just go and do that. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. Being logical, say that all the time, like in a system of white supremacy, there should be lots of planning before conception. Uh, man, it's so much to grasp. Black children are not... Adam in Sweden, they killed a black child and we can't even find details on it. Mm. The worthlessness of black life. So, yeah, I hey, if you can get out of that environment, avoid all that, don't have those teachers looking to strip search you and all the right jam medication in you from the time that you're two and accuse you of having raping tendencies. We get that one in the States all the time. Uh, yeah have a thought a plan well in advance of having that child so you can try and avoid as much of that as possible and yes I absolutely do I remember Dr. Francis Cress Welsing talking about hey you are going to hush up all this talking about white supremacy racism we don't need any of you critical race theorists causing trouble and she was at an HBCU and told this so hmm uh, let's see before uh, oh, I forgot, forgot we gotta get our mandatory COVID check in before we depart uh, I'll check to see if folks have other things that they want to discuss as well and I'll also check the phone lines if folks have questions they want to get in with Andrew Adam African 1884 all those A's look at that wow A plus broadcast um, before oh, I guess we gotta get Andrew's thoughts on the Ukraine situation, everybody else shared on that. So we'll do that as well. We'll get Andrew on Ukraine. We have to get everybody's COVID update to kind of see what's what on that. And then we'll check for callers. Uh, before we do all of that, uh, Adam attempted counter racist, uh, doing a broadcast uh, on racism, white supremacy, try to help get this problem solved. Do you want to plug your new effort, sir? Absolutely. Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Counter Racism Science, and um, I have my own podcast uh, called uh, Victim of Racism on Podbean. Uh, it's in Sweden, in Swedish, uh, but I can't find any white guests to uh, carry out my uh, counter uh, attempted counter racism science experiments. I've been emailing, uh, posting on Facebook groups. Um, I think one white woman responded, and uh, she wanted more information. So I gave her a little bit of information about myself, and she didn't respond. 
Um, but I've been getting downloads, so that tells me that you get the information and say, oh, this uh, this victim here might be uh, a little bit less confused about this problem, and they uh, avoid coming on coming on the program to answer questions. Avoiding coming on the program to answer questions. Uh, I have heard that a few times. Hmm. We had African 1884. He said he did not hear the name of the channel and all. So if you could give us the information one more time in case people were slow, they're slow typing and all the rest. Give us all the details one more time, sir. Podcast is on Podbean. It's called Victim of Racism. Uh, in Swedish, is uh, you know, it's in Swedish, and uh, and I also got a YouTube channel uh, where on on the podcast I uh, carry out my uh, attempted uh, counter racist uh, science experiments, uh, and also have a YouTube channel, uh, Counter Racism Science. Counter Racism Science. That's the YouTube channel, sir. Yes, sir. There you go. Less spectating. Less spectating. Uh, check it out. Visit YouTube. Let us know if you're able to get some white guests. But I'm very familiar with that. People don't. All these folks saying it's a racial reckoning. It's time to be honest about this. They see non-white people. You know, Yes, sir. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. I was just going to say all of these white people claim to be against racism and all of that. So yeah. these Facebook groups are called anti-racism, Swedish people against racism, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So sound like fraudulent activity to me. White people oh. will invest billions to pretend they are against racism then you just he didn't he didn't say he was asking them hey give me an investment give me a million dollars or whatever it is in Sweden he didn't even say that give me a million euros all that just come let's answer some questions exchange views on white supremacy racism no way which is the exact same thing they do on this side of the pond Hmm. Anywho, uh, let's see. Um, I can't believe this is like in the years that we've been on since the COVID-19 situation. I think this is like the furthest COVID has been pushed back. Uh, Like, oh, yeah, that is still happening. Like, uh, I do think that is important to kind of just touch in folks in different parts of the world to kind of see what's happening with all of that to try to make sense because there's been so much deception and lying about all this and confusion uh let's see we'll get uh african 1884 in sweden oh man that's right you all were supposed to have uh lots of things kicking in has all that started where we're supposed to be mandatory vaccination like you're supposed to be really draconian in that part of the world what's what's the update on covid and the vaccine mandates over there yeah this is african 1884 um well, a lot has, has changed uh, with regard to 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 Austria and and, and the COVID mandates. Um, uh, you know, one thing for sure, uh, 
the Ukrainian, uh, the white battle between Ukraine and Russia has kind of shifted the focus for everyone. Um, now, they, they had planned to uh, roll out a monetary vaccination uh, policy, but they've, uh, they've retracted that uh, because uh, there was some, they, they, they could not justify uh, having more people getting vaccinated yet still because um, there, there, there were cases where, again, people that, have, again, have, have, have the three doses or four doses are still getting the, the, the getting COVID. Uh, and then they, they, they saw what's happening in, in, in the UK, also in the US, certain European countries were also just, you know, uh, you know, just kind of like rolling back on their monetary vaccination. And, and also, again, the pushback for most of the citizens when they question, okay, well, how many, how many more doses do we still need to get until we are, we can move freely without wearing a mask and without having to social distance? Uh, they could not answer these kind of questions. So, uh, with the, again, Ukrainian war has kind of like shifted the whole discussion and they, they just say that, okay, they're going to kind of like put, put on ice the whole, uh, idea to have mandatory vaccinations until further notice. But in Austria right now, uh, the, the cases are still rising, specifically in Vienna. Uh, the high cases of, uh, I think it's still the, I think it's the Omicron variant. I'm not quite sure which one it is now, but, uh, the cases that are, uh, increasing at the moment. But, uh, again, no monetary vaccination is, is, is being, uh, implemented soon. Thank you. Wow. That is quite a shift. Cause I mean, they were sounding, like they were getting real aggressive about it. I think it was supposed to be like February, some part, the early time this year, like it's going to be required. And was it February when it was supposed to kick in? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like a great, like, Hey, you're going to be locked down, mandatory quarantine. We're not messing around anymore. And then, ah, eh, we'll hold off on them. <laughs> like, wow. Like, uh, Let's 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 see. We'll, we'll continue to move around the world. And I guess I'll share too. Uh, so the U S I'm in Seattle, Washington. We had really strict uh, COVID-19 protocols for the past two years, like some of the strictest in this part of the world. Uh, We had mandatory uh, vaccine mandates to enter gyms, restaurants, coffee shops um, starting in October of last year. We had mask mandates on uh, public transportation to go in stores, restaurants, uh, all the rest of it. Lots of for jobs. They had lots of mandatory uh, vaccinations like they had really strict some of the strictest in the country uh, in this part of the world starting basically the second week of this month they ended the mask requirements uh, for almost everywhere except for like public transportation airport train that sort of thing uh, and they've been rolling all of the other stuff back slowly uh, it's still not back to normal but it's at least for the moment close getting that way kind of sort of uh, they've removed public seating still in a lot of places, so it's not quite back there. They've been saying, at least here, that the uh, positive rates have been dropping dramatically, uh, at least for the time being. So uh, let's see. Uh, Adam. So we just heard from African 1884 in Austria. Adam in Sweden. Now, again, they are kind of an outlier because they didn't really have all these big rules and shutdowns and mask requirements uh, like lots of other places in the world. Uh, so where are you all at March 2022 with the COVID-19 situation? It's been so um, confusing. 
Uh, we got the Swedish health uh, agency saying that COVID is not a, a threat to uh, quote unquote society, and uh, by the end of this month, all the uh, all the pandemic law is going to be uh, removed. And but they still are encouraging encouraging uh, people to uh, take this shot. And uh, the commercials that uh, are being shown shown on YouTube. Um, have uh, pictures of uh, non-white people uh, taking the shot, uh, which I found very, found to be very in interesting. Could be some racial showcasing, because it's not like they have tons of black people uh, over in Sweden. So that's uh, maybe they maybe they nab some of the. Uh, refugees from the Ukraine with their warm pizza and what have you and, and we'll get some of the black ones and give them the Rona shot and do our little public service announcer, announcement to encourage folks to get their vaccine that's uh, hmm I don't, are people are, I don't know what's I don't even know like what's the response there are people are they wearing masks are they distancing are they done with all this like what what do you what are you seeing it seems like people are done with done with all of it. At least where I live, I can speak on. Uh, I think when I was in Stockholm, I think I saw a couple people with masks, not many. I would think like now. I said I'm in Seattle, Washington. Now, if I was in Texas, Florida, some of the other places where they did not have all those restrictions. I I would expect it to be the same thing where we're done with all that. We're not wearing a mask like psh, moving forward. We've given up enough to the Rona. Other things on our mind. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, uh, Andrew in the UK. Now they had big policies and all that. He was talking with us last Boris uh, Johnson and got all in trouble uh, about all these policies. Where are things right now uh, in England with COVID-19 and the vaccine mandates and such? Yeah, um, I mean, um, it's just back to almost back to or pretty much back to business as normal, really. Um, you know, if you want to travel on public transport, you don't need a mask. Um, you know, people coming in from outside, uh, flying into the UK from from other countries don't need to show any, you know, anything at all. Don't need to, you know, have some, you know, any, you know, don't need to have any paperwork around related to COVID about them being free from COVID. Um, it's just, there, there are no limitations on anything at all anymore in the UK. As far as I know, all, all of that's, uh, all of that's completely been taken away now. So, so that's it. So it's, um, so it's just back to, um, back to how it was pretty much before COVID. Pretty much. Whoops. Sorry, I just want to turn it off. Apologies for that. Um, yeah, so it's just pretty much back to business as usual, pretty much. That is crazy. I, to, I mean, <clears throat> the whole situation has been uh, crazy and confusing uh, and probably deliberately so with racists involved directly and or indirectly. But wow, um, I haven't even... Like here in Seattle, I haven't even been able to be like, oh, yes, we can take our masks off for some of the places because they removed the mask mandate once before and then they put it back in mm. three days later. So 
just have to kind of wait and see where all of this goes. But it has been one big ball of confusion uh, and trying to suss out all of this. And I guess 20 years from now, hopefully we will have ended racism and the situation will be over and then it'll be easier to sift back and look and figure out what really happened to make sense of all this. But wow. Yep. Uh, let's see the person last four digits nine zero two nine. Did you have a question for any of our uh, the A's Andrew Adam African 1884 uh, 9029 you should be with us uh, greetings Gus uh, callers and listeners and, and greetings to the other global members of our cows um, I, I made a trip uh, recently over to Germany and um, I noticed that they still had everything in effect like you couldn't really go places without having your mask on and it just was um it was it's pretty much the same the same as last year when i went in the middle of when it was still heavy covid i'm wondering if anybody else um from any other sites is experiencing the same thing and also what i noticed while i was there because um i believe it's eastern germany depends on a lot of oil from russia um oil prices were soaring by the time um, I was leaving, um, it was a real, <laughs> really interesting because you heard people complain about it so much, so frequently. Um, but they were still driving everywhere, and it's and it's a kind of. I was in Berlin, which is a city that they cycle a lot, so I, I just didn't even understand why they were complaining. But um, just to keep, just curious to see if that was the same for anybody else in any other places in the EU outside of UK. I think I just heard that. I'll mute my line. Much obliged, sir. Uh, so he said he went to Germany. It looked like it was still pretty uh, tough with the regulations, mask, like they're still um, taking it seriously and, and advising others to, or I guess maybe mandating that people do so as well. Uh, have you all seen that in your yeah. tra travels and what have you? Uh, let's see. Was that Adam? I think that was Adam in uh, Sweden. No. Oh, no, it's wow. not. Sorry. No, it's not true. Could I, could I respond to that? I mean, uh, African 1884? Yes. Um, so in, in Vienna, uh, Austria specifically, uh, like I say, they, 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 they kind of like retracted their statements and plans with regard to monetary vaccinations. That is accurate. Now, uh, people are still required to wear the masks uh, when they're using public transport and when they are uh, patronizing uh, restaurants and uh, coffee shops and bars. You know, you're, you're supposed to wear a mask. Uh, however, uh, again, you don't need to be vaccinated to, because previously they were saying that you have to be vaccinated to, to access all these spaces. Uh, now you don't need to be vaccinated. You just need to at least have the mask on, uh, try and practice some form of social distancing, and maybe have a PCR test that's uh, 48 hours old. That's what we have in, in Austria right now. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So it's not exactly you can just throw caution to the wind and act a fool. Okay. Uh, is um, Gus? Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's, yes, like sir. Just, yeah, I was just like to throw in one more thing that um, I, I traveled over there in 2019 
and I had it was this, obviously the height of COVID. It, the restrictions were heavy. I mean, heavy to the point where I had to get a notarized letter indicating who I was visiting, how long, um, PCR test. I didn't need a vaccination then, um, and and it was there was no way I was going to get in without having all those things included, like notarized letter from who I was visiting, how long I was staying, the location, everything. Um, now, when I made the trip over there. I just needed the test, even though I did get the vaccination. So I, I don't even actually. I don't even think I needed the test. Actually, I just needed the vaccination to go over. And on on arrival coming back to the states, I needed to take a, a test to make sure that I was clear before I could travel. That's what they they have going on there still. Hmm. Everybody is kind of making up their own rules. Uh, about this in terms of trying I mean some of these people are, are who knows you know what's motivating some of the decisions some people are more concerned about uh, their tourist dollars and they want to make it easier for people to come in other people you know they're still taking this seriously so they want to make sure that they're checking everybody it's just it is a lot uh, to process I guess Andrew in 1884 Adam or excuse me uh, Andrew in England Adam in Sweden uh, did you all want to address that about either the the differences in these rules when you travel to different areas in Europe uh, and what have you and then as well the the uh, soaring fuel prices he was talking about oil and all that and folks that were in Germany I guess complaining about oh my gosh you got to pay all this for petrol and all the rest of it is is that happening in your areas as well either Andrew or Adam yeah um Gus um 100% I mean the uh, petrol prices uh, you know, in the UK, uh, probably like everywhere else, you know, we have petrol and diesel prices. So both have skyrocketed. I mean, you know, um, God, um, a, a year ago, petrol, you know, diesel was probably about £1.10. Pence, and now diesel is about £1.75. Pence, you know, so so it's really rocketed up, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's probably going to go higher as well. I mean, I've never seen... I've never seen fuel this high ever, you know. I've never seen it this high. So, so it's gonna it's gonna go high. You got Boris Johnson, literally running all over the world, trying to secure um, a lower fuel, you know, a, a different source to buy fuel. So he's gone to the he's gone to Saudi Arabia, I think it is, trying to get, you know, trying to do deals there, which is which is interesting to watch. <laughs> Put it mildly. You know, but that's what's happening. It's going to get worse. That has been the prediction here as well. It will continue to uh, soar. I think these are the highest gas prices that I've seen as well. It was pretty hot. <laughs> Mentioned Hurricane Katrina. It did get pretty high then as well. That's 2005, end of the summer, fall 2005. It did get pretty high in response then because it messed up some of the uh, domestic fuel reserves, but then it dropped down pretty low. Uh, Adam? In uh, Sweden, did you have a commentary on that one? Yeah, the gas prices have been uh, very high here as, as well. Mm. Worldwide, worldwide. Uh, let's see. Make sure I didn't. Oh man, Adam in uh, Sweden. He did encourage us to make sure that we keep an eye on that presidential election that's happening there. So uh, I don't think it's until September, if my memory is accurate. Uh, what what is the latest in terms of what you've been seeing developments with the presidential election over there? 
there hasn't been any updates, uh, m mostly about uh, the war. That's going to be the big topic, I suspect, uh, until uh, the election. Uh, what are we going to do? The wind fuel prices, probably fuel prices, and that's the war too. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Uh, let's see. Uh, did I miss anyone? Anyone comment they want to make sure they get in before we get ready to uh, wrap things? I know with uh, Child Q, the black female victim of white supremacy uh, who was strip searched during her menstrual cycle. Uh, Toyin Agbetu, as I said, I think he was actually at the protest and he's been writing about this, focused on this. Uh, he said he might see if he can carve out some time to come and chat it up with us uh, about what they've been doing. So maybe we can get some more details uh, on this case later on this week. But uh, I posted reports, check on it like that is, if anything, if you're an attempted parent, that is another cruel reminder. <sighs> talk to my offspring male or female about white supremacy racism and am I doing everything I possibly can to keep them out of those type of environments I think Andrew in the UK talked about that man like daily assaults just thinking yep. of you as a drug dealer they probably come with some lame excuse that oh she smelled like cannabis are you serious mm-hmm did we miss anything, folks? Any comments or, or, or things that you want to touch on, give us a reminder about before we get ready to conclude? Yeah, um, have you, sorry, Gus, uh, did you already speak about the Ukraine situation? Oh, I forgot. Yes, we did, but uh, I did say, yep, feel free, sir. Uh, if you want to give us your thoughts on that, the pivot to including China and in all this, the mistreatment of the refugees, um, yeah, feel free. We did miss you on that one. Yeah, yeah so, sorry, maybe I... Um... Uh, maybe it went past me. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, this is, uh, I would say that this is the um, biggest situation really, obviously um, that, you know, that, you know, in a long time that could affect um, African heritage people, black people um, for a few different reasons. You know, um, you see whatever the government in America now decides to do, if, 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 if China decides to um, uh, go a certain way, then really that's going to, you know, that's going to tip, <laughs> that's going to tip the hand of, of the American uh, government. Uh, and you see what's going to, what's going to happen at that point is that Africa, the place where a lot of non-white people live is going to, there's talk of should Africans stay neutral or, or should Africans come down on the side of, when I say Africans, I mean various African countries, because obviously you've got a whole heap of different countries on the continent. So the, so the conversation there is who, what side are various African countries going to come down on? Yeah. Some are going to, so, some are thinking, most are thinking we should, you know, we should stay neutral, right? Which is, which is the best, best thing to do, in my opinion. But you got uh, you got some governments saying you know really we should support the Europeans. Other governments are saying we should support Russia and China and North Korea. So so, so th that's the general conversation that's happening on that continent as you know at the moment. But you know I think it's good that the majority are actually saying we should remain neutral. It's not our war. It's nothing to do with us. <laughs> Basically, it's a lot of white people. You know so so that so that's the conversation that's happening there. So 
really you, you know so that's really something that's really worth um keeping abreast of in terms of in terms of what black people on the Af- on the african continent what what they which way you know their governments are going to are going to go and you know th- there's a lot of how could you how, how could you call it there's a lot of um there's a lot of persuasion that's happening underneath the table by european states a lot of pressure being applied on african governments at this moment in time you know so you know and you know persuasion you know carrot and stick if that makes sense so so that's what's happening at the moment and that's and that's massive at the moment so so really watch that space i mean the the rest of it has gone the way that 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 we knew it would go you know but in terms of how it impacts on africans on black people you know you know that's really you know that's that's the big thing in my in my in my opinion Had the, oh, I'm sorry. That was African 1884. Proceed. Yeah, I was going to just uh, provide my last comment, and also it's with regard to uh, Ukraine, uh, and just like uh, what, what Andrew said, uh, uh, Africa, black people on the African continent find themselves again at the crossroads. You know, the period between 1947 to 1991, the Cold War period. Uh, you had. Uh, uh, Africa having to choose sides. Um, you had the communist Russians, and then you had uh, the catalyst, quote-unquote, America and British and the French. Um, uh, again, when I when I go into some of these social media spaces and I, I see some African people choosing sides and saying that they're going to support Russia, and they're going to give you a historical inaccuracy of how Russia has always been a friend to the African continent, that's not accurate. Because if you understand white supremacy, taking both sides of the argument, the Russians and the Americans, white Americans, never, never at any one point allowed black people on the African continent to develop their own economic and political model. You know, that's why you have the Cold War. The post-colonial period, Africans had to choose sides. You had... uh, them getting support uh, from from Russia in countries like uh, 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 what's it what's it called uh, Congo and everything, and, and and parts of South Africa, you know. But again, this was uh, just the Europeans, white folks, uh, creating all these proxy wars. Uh, they were not doing this in the interest of black people on the African continent. So I would really, really refrain uh, from choosing sides in, in regard to this. And, and and I think some African governments are taking the same positions. I hope they 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 try and remain neutral. Uh, the spillover effects with regard to wheat and uh, petrol and gas um, it could be an advantage for the African continent when uh, European countries switch uh, to Africa with regard to natural gas. It could be an advantage going forward. But let's see how that looks like. And another thing that I also want to point out is the inappropriate behavior of some of the African people, black people specifically, uh, who are willing to go and fight for Ukraine. Uh, we've seen cases in the U.S. A brother from Detroit, an elder from Detroit, was willing to go fight in Ukraine. Uh, some uh, brothers in Nigeria were willing to pay a thousand dollars to go fight in Ukraine. You know that's inappropriate behavior. Those are the words of. Uh, uh, Cloud Anderson. So I love my playing with that. Thank you very much. 
Mm. Um, uh, just to say, Gus, if you didn't see, I think you've got uh, our brother Toyin on, on the line as well. Toyin? Yeah, I didn't. Good job, uh, Andrew, uh, taking over hosting the program. I did see it like, wow, did he pop in? Are you are you hanging out with us, uh, Toyin Agbetu? Yes, I don't know if you can hear me. I just had some technical issues. Uh, can you hear me okay? Crystal clear. Yep. We can actually see you too. How about that? Um, <laughs> bravo. I, I mentioned you are the only reason, sir, that I... Uh, found out about uh, Child Q. I have talked for years about how I'm no fan of social media and people are just on talking crazy and fussing and, you know, lots of craziness worldwide. Uh, but I went on. One of the folks that I do follow, Toyin, was not talking crazy and being silly. He was posting about Child Q. And I said, what is this? Because I hadn't heard anything about it. And then I was appalled. Were you, uh, and we did talk about that uh, already today. So, man, since you showed up, uh, I'm so glad to see you. I was going to make time to have you on the program later this week, and then ta-da! Uh, do you want to give us what? give us any details about what you uh, were doing out with the protest and what we should know about Child Q? Because all of us were just appalled. I think all of us, except for Andrew, who's in the UK with you, had never heard of Child Q. Well, I mean, first of all, my apologies. I was going to try and attend earlier, um, but I can explain what I, why I didn't and what I was doing. Um, so you know about the child Q scenario from what I've, I could take from what you just said. So I don't need to reiterate uh, that as well. So, I mean, those of you who know, I mean, Brother Gus, it's, it's, it's always a pleasure uh, reasoning with you. I'm a scholar activist. So, I mean, as much as I, I, I do activist work, I'm also a scholar. So we had to use our knowledge to kind of like get change. And so there was already a, a, a protest outside the police station on Friday, which is the one that I attended. Uh, the young people spoke themselves, so from the mouths of babes, we were actually hearing the pain and trauma that they were experiencing, and that was really important to me. Um, but then I knew that there was going to be some other protests taking place. I was invited to speak on them as well. I decided not to, actually. Um, not because I don't believe the people organising them are sincere, but there comes a time when something so heinous is happening, you have to strike fast, you have to organize fast, you have to hit them when they're vulnerable. Or else what happens, they stage manage the situation and then all of a sudden the energy dissipates because people have kind of like had the space to vent and uh, nothing changes. So what I decided to do was put a call out to our community uh, and um, ask people who want to get together in a community action group so we can actually start working devising the plan to make sure this never happens to another child of African heritage again. So that's what we was doing. We So while there was a, a, another a rally this time outside the town hall in Hackney, uh, it, it seemed like it was attended by probably around 1,000 people. It's it huge from what I can see from the pictures. It was like a minutes away from our community centre where we were organising and devising the strategy of how we're going to attack and how we're going to deal with this. Um, and so it was a small crowd of us uh, just getting on with the work um, I don't want it to sound like I don't think that there's value in protest. I, I could never say that. Um, I, I'm, I am an activist. I know how important it is to build solidarity. I know how important it is to uh, raise consciousness and an awareness of an issue. Uh, the only problem is, is that this event was very much a, um, uh, a, a political-led uh, campaign. So what happened, it was a great event for the people who were there, I didn't attend, but there's speeches from politicians. And anyone who knows how politicians speak, well, we have to understand there's going to be a lot of half-truths, a lot of damage limitation. Um, so 
aren't organizing me in for action actually overran which is why you know i came back here and i missed the seven o'clock start here and as soon as i've seen your message i thought let me just jump straight in and talk to my family and share the news um what is i, I mean I, I i don't know because i i wasn't at the beginning of the meeting uh, you need to ask me a specific question if there's something else you'd want to know i am quite up to date with the conditions and, and the scenario, what the family's doing. Um, I won't share our strategy um, for obvious reasons, but I can give you ideas of what people can do. So any questions you have, I'm more than happy um, to answer. Andrew uh, is in your part of the world. He brought it to our attention that this, it's not like this atrocity happened like two days ago. This happened a while ago. I think he said- 2020. Uh, two, yeah, what, what was, why did it take so long for this to come to public attention? Right, because what happened was it happened in 2020, uh, December 2020, which was during lockdown in the UK. And um, when the incident took place, there was a tussle in, in the institutions that are supposed to be tasked with uh, child safeguarding. So the Hackney Council body, which deals with Hackney, uh, uh, safeguarding, came to this conclusion that we need to investigate this. And then when they started saying that, there was pressure from the Metropolitan Police who was saying, no, this doesn't mean a threshold, don't do this, you don't need to investigate this. There was pressure, and this is the key one, there was pressure from the National Child Safeguarding Organization that was saying, don't do this, it don't mean a threshold, you know, we, you know, we, we can just deal with this behind closed doors. And so the Hackney Child Safeguarding team, uh, for, to their credit, they said, no, we're, we're going we're gonna to investigate this. And so they pulled in the, the, you know, the parents, they pulled in the school and they, and they went through the process. But there's been a lot of institutional push. But this is why when I talk about institutional racism or afrophobia or structural violence, this is what we're talking about. So all these factors came in play. And so the, the report was finally released. Um, there was also an interim report, which I'm going to try to get access to, but the, this final report was finally released, which is why we've only heard about it five days ago. Um, but that, you know, f for us, when we're organising, one of the issues that we're, we're, we're dealing with and that we're talking about and that, that motivates us is that the knowledge that the child, child Q, was actually abused. Um, by uh, the school who, who failed her, by the, 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 the police who abused her. And um, she was living for over a year with the idea that her life didn't matter, that what she went through was insignificant. She wasn't important enough. That someone can do this to her and nothing will happen. You can talk to this guy doing a report, but it just wasn't important. And for me, that's unforgivable. That that destruction of a child's innocence in their childhood, taking it away, making them feel like worthless, that was unforgivable. So this is why I, I'm not going to condemn all the protests that are taking place, even though I don't actually see them, uh, you know, or many of them uh, actually doing a damn thing to change the situation, apologies for the language, uh, because it's important that the family, the girl and other children, there's been like 20 to 26 other incidents of um, strip searching of young children that's taken place during that time. We don't know the circumstances yet. That's part of the research that I'm going to have to now uh, look into and see if I can find out some more details. But at least they can now see that once we know about these things that we care, and those of us that can will try and do something about it. The danger is, of course, is for us is that there's an election in May for local councils across the UK. And so they're actually in, in, in campaigning mode. 
So some of them, are, I'm not saying they're not sincere about the outrage, but it's also a level of them looking for political opportunity to show that they're anti-racist or whatever the, the bus phrase is today, diverse councillors, or I, I, I don't know what they call it. That's not our agenda. I'm a pan-Africanist, I'm human rights-centred, and uh, but my concern is making sure that this doesn't ever happen again to another child. I mean, obviously I focus on African children, but what we put in place uh, helps everyone. Yeah. Mm. Toyin Agbetu uh, joining us live right off of the uh, front lines of the protest. Uh, we do actually have folks who are right there where you are. Andrew, how far are you from Hackney, where this happened at? How far are you from there? Oh, did we miss him? He might be muted. I think he might be muted. Um, oh. Oh, he's not muted. There you go. How far are you from Hackney? Apologies for that. I'm talking and, uh, and I'm muted. I just want to say, yes, it's, it's brilliant to be speaking to Toyin. We've spoken a couple of times in the past, Toyin. You may, you probably don't remember. <laughs> but that's all good. I'm, at the moment, I'm in Ilford, which is just not just down the road from Hackney. Um, when I say just down there, it's a couple of miles, I suppose, just not too far from that. But, um, but, uh, but going back to something you said, Toy, um, and stop me if I'm going too far, Gus. Um, Toy, you, 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 you pointed to a number of 20, 26 issues of strip search um, in in uh, in this in this country of African heritage children. Um, it's probably it's probably uh, my guess is that it's more than that. My guess is that um, it's been going on since we've been children in this UK, in, 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 since we've been children in, in, in the UK, and um, and you know it, it, this this incident and it is is probably the tip of the iceberg, and um, it's, it's it's probably going to be like picking up a stone and watching all the watching all the uh, all the ants running all over the place. You know, um, go ahead. No, my brother. You know, thank you. And yes, seeing your image, you know, can I? You know, it's it's good to see. I can see your photograph, so uh, it's good to see you again. Um, when I say those figures, I mean I'm drawing from my memory. I can't remember exactly the statistics. I think it's around 21 or 26. I think they're from 2020. And what happens? No, it, when I say uh, young people, I'm talking. I think it's between the age of 10 to 12. Um, there are thousands who have been strip searched. I, I saw a, a freedom of information request and it, it broke down them by age groups. And just because this particular child uh, queue issue, I was looking at those who are in that age gate from 10 years of age. Uh, so that's the number where that comes from. But it, you're right. I mean, no, strip search is, is thousands. Um, if we go to teens, it, it, it goes through the roof. Um, and if, if we start looking at legacy issues, like you've just mentioned, then, you know, we, we, you know, we'd be here all day. The other issue is that's those that have been recorded. Many of these instances are, are humiliating. And so many people don't record them or report them. And so they go un, un, unaccounted for. And so that's the reason why part of the mission of what we have to do is put something in place so that anyone who goes through this first of all knows that there's a space, there's there are people who are concerned who, are, who will back them. And then there's the other case that um, those people who involved in that know that they're gonna that they're gonna face justice. And you know, and and I and I don't I don't mean kind of like, like that. I, I won't even say it. I'm still emotional. We just have we just have work to do. Mm -hmm. 
I hear that. Um, you know, and any way that, you know, I personally can help. I mean, I'm a school teacher in London. So, um, you know, so any way that I can personally help, I'm fully and utterly um, up for doing that. Um, I appreciate obviously. that. Well, so, I'll tell you so, one yeah. thing. We're, we're going to meet next Sunday at the centre again. I, I, I mean, if you drop me a line, um, we're a yep. small group of committed parents, um, community members, and we're pushing through change. And, you know, and, you know, so anyone who wants to get on board, I mean, you know, is more than welcome. We're going ahead regardless of not. It's one of the irritating things about the protest that took place today. What happened was that it clashed with our session. So it, so we had so many people register, but of course we can't compete with, with Facebook, with Twitter, with uh, ITV and BBC News and people's ability to take selfies and, and, and all that stuff. We just did the work. I mean, it was literally five minutes away from where we were, but we were just inside doing the work. We could hear the helicopters, the police sirens. And, and so, you know, it, you know, this is, I, I think there comes a point in our time, and I really appreciate you saying that, Brother Andrew, I really do, uh, that, that we just had to say to ourselves, okay, we can let, you know, maybe the elders do the rallies, the Martin Luther King things, but then there's a time for some of us to be treated like Malcolm, we, you know, we, you know it, we, we just got to. Mm, 100%. Um, you know, it's, it's this week, because um, I'm a, you know, obviously as a teacher, I'm, I'm in a lot of uh, sort of WhatsApp groups and that sort of thing, um, black teacher WhatsApp groups. And um, there's been a lot of talk about this particular case. And uh, I mean, what's good is that, uh, you know, there's a lot of black teachers, a lot of African heritage teachers that are, that are not, um, put, to put it mildly, not happy about this. So, um, so it's, it's, um, so it's, so it's going to be a, you know, yeah, any, you know, just it'd be good to connect. Yeah, drop me drop me a line and what I can probably do, because I don't do all that WhatsApp stuff, so I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a dinosaur. Mm. So I can share you the link for, the, for people to sign up if they want to. And then that way, if you could put it in the group on our behalf, that would be, that, that's enough. That would be amazing because we need teachers who are inside these spaces to kind of like buck up and, and, and do, and then we need, we need them to help them. We even need the liberal Europeans to help us because that's part of our strategy mm -hmm. we need anyone who's kind of like who cares about the children and you really care about the children uh, to get involved so yeah that that would be fantastic because one of the things that we is as community we've always struggled especially when you're pan-african is this capacity we have so much work to do we're trying to catch up on over 500 years of this kind of abuse and white supremacist systems just grinding us down so it's you know any anyone who can help who's kind of like you know who's happy to follow the lead it's not got an issue with the fact that we're focusing specifically on children of African heritage. That there's no compromise on that. We're dealing with the situation of adultification, so we're talking about sexualization, criminalization. You kind of, you know, all the the, 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 the excuses that are made to see our children as adults and, and not as vulnerable children. If they're engaged in that and they're 100% committed. They, they they can ride ride with us. It's the same thing like John Brown back in the days of enslavement. If they want to ride with us and and they're, they're, they're like committed we're cool with that but if they want to do a, a william wilberforce nah, they can just go online and virtual signal at protests i ain't got time for that and i'm glad you got there before me <laughs> because for those that don't know this is the brother that stood up uh, and in in the houses of parliament how many years ago was that 10 years ago no more than that i think it's yes, it <laughs> and 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 this good brother said not in my name 
<laughs> so, 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 um, so that was uh, that was heartening, and 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 it was heartwarming to watch and to listen to. So, uh, so, so, uh, so, yeah, put it put a good smile on my face. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you. Um, what I'm thinking, Gus, if it's all right with you, it'd be great to connect with uh, with brother Toyn through via you, via you, Gus, if that's all right. Oh, for sure. For sure. I can uh, get you his email or, you know, whatever contact information. And absolutely, you all can connect. And yeah, absolutely. I'll make sure I do that um, as soon as we are, are finished up here today, sir. Um, is is there anything I know you said, uh, Toyin, you said for, for folks that are interested, um, if they're listening, if they're online, because I mean, it might be folks that are listening in Canada or wherever they are like, hey, I can't show up in Hackney, but I can't get online. I could do an email or things like that. Is there anything folks could do uh, that would assist your cause? What you all are trying to do? That's what we're working on now. So we're working because many of the people who registered weren't even in London, so they physically couldn't be there. So we're trying to make sure that we have supporters because some of the things we'll need outside, you know, people outside the area to actually put strategic pressure on these institutions with us. So that plan will be drawn. I mean, we're drawing up the plan. So, I mean, we, we just set the foundations for a new, essentially a new group to deal with this particular issue. And so that's what today was about. It's kind of like the, the team meeting for the first time, working out the strategy, working out our purpose. And we've done that. We, we, we're committed. We're not going to spend a hundred years kind of like talking about, you know, who's doing what we, we, we've done that. So next time we meet, we're specifically now about the specific actions. And once we have those actions, that's when we're going to reach out. And that's why what Andrew said was so beautiful about you know, our teachers being involved, because one of the groups we discussed was that we're going to need support of teachers, teachers unions to help put pressure on certain places. I don't want to say which places right now, but we're going to need them as well. So there'll be people externally who can help. And so thank you, Brother Gus, because that's 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 a good call out. And what I'll do is like, um, well, I mean, we're in touch through email. I mean, email, just, just so you know, Brother Andrew, as well, email is always the best way to catch me. I'm, I'm awful on social media, so it's just part of luck if I see it, you know. So, uh, but email, you know, I might take a bit of time to reply, but I do actually see my email, even if it's kind of like a couple of days late. And so, um, you know, that's, that's it. 100%. Brilliant. Excellent. Fantastic. No problems. I will get the email forward to uh, Andrew today. Uh, and then uh, we can perhaps we can follow up because it seems like you'll have more things planned. So I guess as this is kind of evolving, uh, we can check back in uh, so we can get an update on kind of what has happened. Uh, where things stand at this point. Um, I know parents all over the way. I said this repeatedly, like, hey, except for the sanitary towel, this sort of thing happens every day in the States. If it had that kind of really pushed this to a especially grotesque uh, and barbaric act. But I mean, officers mauling and abusing black students, males and females, that's every day, all day long uh, in the U.S. So parents throughout the world uh should really uh take an interest pay I say, talk to your offspring about this incident you really want to put it on level their level in terms of why is this so important why is this such a big deal why are they talking about racism all the time this is why but i guess can i just add one thing to that because you're right i mean this happens all over the world especially where you know the, the ethnic majority tends to be European and we tend to not be in the same size of numbers politically. Um, 
But what I will say as well, and one thing in this particular case is that as much as this is an issue of police officers abusing a child, um, one of the factors that we must never let slip off the radar is that the school facilitated it. That it was school mm. staff that called the police on a child in a place where they should expect to be safe. That they didn't see the yep. child as someone who's vulnerable, even if the child had a spliff on them. Okay, that's a vulnerable child. They didn't see any responsibility for care. What they did was they criminalised the child. And I personally think, and this is, I know I have no evidence of this, I actually personally think that the particular teacher was vexed with that child. Because that child, I don't know if you saw the situation, I mean, we have a report and the report tells us the backdrop. There's a lot of whataboutery because there's this whole thing about pressure on African students to be perfect with unblemished records to get sympathy. I don't run with that. So this child, kind of like, a, you know, just a background, you know, she had a friend, the friend had been caught with uh, cannabis, so he'd been excluded, there'd been a smell of it before in the past. And so what's happening, we're getting a narrative, even in, from members in our own community, engaging in what about we, kind of like arguing, well, she was... A- always a bit you know going to be likely to be um, in trouble and blah 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 maybe even and i don't want to hear that i don't want to hear that because this was a baby this was a child she was at school so as much as i have a meeting on thursday with people to deal with the police issue that's another discussion completely about the use of violence on children so that's another meeting that i'm organizing that's going to be hosted in the hackney but that's a that's a closed meeting because we're for obvious reasons we're doing certain we're discussing certain things with all the police groups and i'm talking about police groups i'm talking about community police action groups uh in the borough so that's something i might not be able to share what we come out with but that's going to be led by a group called hackney account They're amazing young people in the borough and you know and, and, and i'm expecting to be for the first time a level of unity with all these scrutiny groups in hackney that are dealing with police uh, abuse but what we dealt with today was about safeguarding our children in schools. That is the key issue uh, that we was dealing with today because that child had a right to say, you know what, call my mum. Before you, you know, and that teacher abused the authority. And so I think that teacher had a grudge and that child, just be clear, that child was doing well academically. And there is a resentment against our children who are doing well who might have a little bit of a facety mouth i don't know the child had a safety mouth and just talking guy went through that i was one of those boys that was always fighting at school unfortunately i hate bullies that's you know i just don't like people picking on people that's probably why i'm an activist now but i was also academically doing well so the school couldn't exclude me but they hated the fact that i used to fight and so what happens, you get teachers who kind of like have this resentment and any chance to, to flex their authority, they do it. And that's what I believe happened. I can't prove that, but I don't need to prove that. She was a child. The parent wasn't consulted and she was at school. Excuse me. Um, I, if I could come in there. I, <laughs> I know, let's see. Um, uh, I'll get... Uh, what, that was actually... We had one of our callers in the States. I'll get Andrew too. Uh, can I just ask real quick before we get our call in the States? This is a quick one uh, for Toyin. Uh, if you know the instructor who triggered this, because I think that's such an important point in terms of the school being responsible. They were the ones who solicited the enforcement officers to come and initiate this strip search and all of this. Um, do you know if the instructor who started all this was uh, a white man or a white woman? We, we, we don't have that information yet. What we do know 
is that there's a there's a story going about from one of the representatives. The, the families have got lawyers now, so they've got two legal cases pending. One that's dealing with the police, one that's dealing with the education. And at the rally on Friday, the first one outside the police station, which was led really by young people and the people themselves, uh, someone made a statement from the family that the teacher has been fired. So, but we haven't because there's child protecting cases. We, we had to protect the child's anonymity. We don't know that much level of detail yet. I suspect it was, but I don't know. Um, well, you know, so so it, it, it's 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 still difficult to unpick it. You know, we all know the school in the borough. We all know who it is, where it is. The children are uprising. They're on strike. They're going to be on strike tomorrow. The children are saying that until the whole safeguarding team is fired, they're not going to be doing their lessons. So that so it's it's going to come out. I mean, you know, people in Hackney know already which school it is. It's going to come out because the children themselves are feeling unsafe and they're, they're, they're active. They're putting things on social media. But as a group, because we're dealing with institutions, you know, and, and because and it's really important. I don't actually want Child Q to be exposed until she decides to come forward. And if she never comes forward, she never comes forward. So what's happening is that the media are not allowed to, to reveal any identification or any information on uh, the school whatsoever. So I'll find out. I mean, it's not going to be difficult for me to find out. And, 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 and if I can share information without compromising the, the, the anonymity of, of, of the school and the, or of the child, then, then I'm, I'm more than happy to share that. But right now, I am being cautious because I don't want to jeopardise um, her her well-being and you know, and her family's I, I, you know her family's uh, wishes. For sure, we'll get uh, both of you. So uh, our caller in the states, uh, did you have a question for Toyin? Uh, yeah, a question and, and slight just a, a statement. Also, also one of the things is. I've noticed the same thing. Um, I'm, I have offspring as well. I have two sons. And with my eldest, the exact same thing happened, except the teacher called 911 to have him put into a, like, kind of like some kind of psychiatric evaluation to see if he was mentally stable. And they know he was mentally stable. We were just dealing with, quote unquote, issues at home. So, and all the other times the teacher would contact me directly and ask me to come and pick him up. And then all of a sudden, I think exactly what you were saying, she started feeling a ways about him not paying attention to her, not listening to her, but he had good grades. His, I mean, we're talking a second grade right now. I'm not even talking about like sixth, fifth grade or anything. We're talking about a second grader and he's reading at like fifth grade level and they contacted the the, <laughs> the ambulance two times for him. Now, in the States here, we mainly have white women that are <laughs> in schools. So Same. we have a system that ends up happening called the school to prison pipeline. So I'm wondering, do you guys deal with the same issue there in the UK where you have um, white teachers kind of funneling these young black children into these um, quote unquote prison or kind of like institutions. Is there something like that happening as well? Uh, unfortunately. And first of all, let me say, I'm really sorry that your family went through that. I mean, that's, you know, it, it just hurts me whenever I hear these kind of atrocities taking place. 
Um, but yes, unfortunately, we have the same um, school to prisons pipeline. We have a, a, an amazing activist group uh, called No More Exclusions because the exclusions is the way that they get them through. Um, what happened with your son is what happens here, where our young boys, because they sometimes, you know, they might, you know, be taller or more body mass, or they might have some more facial hair. The student, or the teachers who are predominantly uh, European females. Uh, often are frightened. Even the the, the 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 European males are frightened, and so there's this instinct, this quick rush to call for violence, or for because they know what happens when they call these agencies. They know it's going to be violent. They they call to them um, without any due care about it. So they could call the parent. There's up there's so many other options they can do. So that unfortunately does happen here. The one thing that in in this particular case that's happening in the school, I don't know if it happens elsewhere in the states the same way, is that that school actually has a, an officer on site. So we, we, we have, and I don't do wrong and strong, that's one thing you, you, you'll always know about me. So we do have, just like every other community, we do have some young people in, you know, in, in our family who are a little bit naughty, who sometimes are you know, kind of like doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And sometimes, as we have, we, you know, we've had a recent spate of knife violence, which is amongst the youth. Sometimes when we have that small minority doing that, there's a, there's a mass media panic and so what happens is that members of our own community will support ideas of putting police inside schools. And that was the case in this particular school. There was normally an officer stationed in that school. Um, but what happened because of the lockdown, the, the vid, that's what friend calls it, um, they weren't present. They called up and said, what should we do? And they called the, the feds, they called the police. And so things escalated rapidly. They called for two female officers. So there's a couple of things going on, which sounds like it's happening there in the States and here in, in Europe and in the UK. We have this, uh, this this pipeline, you know, which we call the, you know, the school of exclusions pipeline. Any, once a child's been excluded, it's pretty close that they're going to end up in prison. I mean, it, it, the statistics are ridiculous. The chances of them surviving there are, are very slim. Mm -hmm. So we have, first of all, this issue about exclusions. We have the second thing about police officers being now members of the school team. So so you have teachers who have been co-opted into this. They they, they they don't agree with it. They, you know, they you know, they don't police officers can can work outside the gates, you know. They, they, you know, there's a phone, you know, we can, you know, teachers can contact police officers if they if they really need to protect children from extreme violence and stuff like this. And but the thing that I am worried about equally is the subliminal effect of actually indoctrinating our children with a level of compliance so that they're actually either sympathetic to police officers and an institution that's planning to brutalise them, or that they're just docile to police officers because they see them all the time. There's also the fact that actually the police have got a Trojan horse inside the schools. Now, I'm not for one moment saying that there aren't benefits. I just personally think that those benefits don't outweigh the negatives. And so there should be no police inside schools. That's my particular position. I, I also don't believe there should be exclusions. Mm -hmm. But this is the situation and, and, and it's horrific to hear that that's what's taking place uh, in, in America. And, um, and, and you know, I don't think people understand how bad it is that we can be in a call and that we, sh that we as, as you know, those of us who are parents are sharing this same horrific, toxic experience. That's not normal. That's that there's something abnormal about that. And then that's why, you know, we had to talk about a name. This, this is one of the impacts of white supremacy. 
basically I decide something to do that. Uh, I was going to try and go in order. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you should go ahead. I'll get Andrew. I didn't forget you, Andrew. We'll get Andrew next. Uh, so this is African 1884 uh, in Austria. Global problem. And he's an attempted parent as well. Yes, sir. Oh, and wait a minute. Just, I'm sorry, uh, African 1884. He spoke with us earlier. He is an attempted parent of a two-year-old who speaks German, English, Arabic, Swahili. Wow. Guess what? White female teacher said, uh-oh, your son's got some problems. Might need to get some medical intervention. I don't think his brain is working correctly. We just heard that before you got here, Toyin. Thank you for your patience, African 1884 attempted parent. Yes, uh, thank you. And thank you, uh, brother, for sharing uh, this information. Uh, I I hope uh, you come with a solution in regard to what's happening to to, to the girl uh, uh, that that experienced this traumatic experience under the conditions of race and white supremacy. Uh, what I wanted to say is that uh, whenever such things happen, we have to understand that also there are black people that have internalized white supremacy and anti-blackness can also be exhibited from black bodies. So uh, to ask if the teachers were involved were black, I think is not that much of value because they could they could still be black and still again uh, treat uh, black people in a way that the white supremacists treat them, you know. So and, and you have to understand that it's also very hard uh, under these current conditions for black people to prove uh, racism. Uh, for the most part, it takes uh, a white person to come in and say yes, that's a racist act. However, we can go along and just say. Uh, based on our understanding and experience with white supremacy, that what happened to this girl, even if it's a white teacher or a black teacher or an Asian teacher, that is a product of the system of white supremacy because these things are not happening to white children. Alama playing yeah. that. No, that's amazing. And thank you. I mean, I, I, I use the term Afrophobia as opposed to anti-black racism, but it's 100% correct. What happens is that we internalize self-hatred. We internalize Afrophobia. Uh, that that is the job of white supremacy is to make you feel that anything that's eurocentric anything that's european heritage is perfect and this is the whole principle around adult uh, adultification it says that the normal child who's vulnerable and innocent is that with european features and anything outside that normative definition of what a vulnerable child is is then racialized is then criminalized is then sexualized when it comes often to our girls. in fact they do it to our boys as well you know and and so you're 100% right. And this whole idea that the teacher, be, and this is the funny thing, because I know teachers that are of European heritage, and they're amazing teachers, and they have a level of empathy for our children that I've seen that other African te- uh, teachers don't have, who've just taken a job because they just want any job. And so they don't actually care as much about their well-being. But, you know, the, the underlying message of what you said, that this is actually a manifestation of a racist system of white supremacy, is key. Because if you think of it like a cancer, if you think of it like a disease, it's actually a cultural phenomenon which actually infects us, all of us. We're talking in English, which means that somehow, even though we are struggling and we have fought to shake the shackles off, we're still being infected in it. Because I dream in English. That means I know what the N-word means. African people didn't invent the N-word. 
No, we don't, we don't do those kind of things. We don't do things that dehumanize us. So this is the process. And a lot of us, unfortunately, you know, we're still on a path to kind of like claim ourselves, to claim our identity, you know, and, and this is a struggle. So, yeah, I mean, uh, congratulations on, 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 I mean, your son sounds amazing and, it, and it's testimony to what it is that you're doing as well. And I think these are the kind of success stories. These are the kind of amazing things that we, we kind of need to celebrate. Uh, other people might try to problematize us, but these are things that, you know, you know, these are just amazing, uh, uh, you know, like traits and successes that we're having that we just, we, we don't even get a chance to celebrate because we're just trying to survive. We just, I just came from a community meeting that lasted four meetings, four and a half hours, and then somehow I'm going to do the same thing again on a Thursday to deal with police violence. I mean, this, this is not normal. It, it shouldn't be normal. And our children shouldn't even have to know about racism. I mean, they need to know it exists. But they shouldn't be having to talk in front of hundreds of people saying how they feel about racism, how they feel scared and how, they, you know, once you've lost your childhood, it's gone forever. It's so short. So I, you know, I, I commend all of you as well. Who, you know, you're kind of like doing what you can for our children, doing, you know, not just our own personal children, you know, in our family, but just our community's children, whether they're in this country, whether they're in Europe, whether they're in the Americas, whether they're on the continent, whether they're in the Caribbean. You know, it, it's, you know, I'm just in awe and, and, and I'm humbled by it. And thank you. Thank you for your patience, Andrew. And, and it's all good. It's good listening to the conversation, actually. Um, just want to add a couple of little things um, about school exclusions. Um, you see, in this country, um, African heritage children, and I'm sure it's the same all over Europe and in the States as well. Um, our children are given different treatment, more harsh treatment for the same misdemeanors as white children. Right. So, you know, let's just say that you've got two mouthy kids in a classroom. Right. Um, or continually mouthy. Right. You know, one black, one white. Right. The treatment that our children get over time is, you know, proportionally more harsh than what white children get. You know, you know, this this is a known fact in the UK. Right. Um, also, let's just say, uh, for example, you've got uh, two autistic kids. Right. One black, one white. Right. That treatment, there's a high chance that that that, that, that their behavior is viewed differently, even though they both have autism, you know, and, and it goes right down the line like that. Right. So, again, you know, that's another discussion that uh, that we as uh, African heritage people in the West, we need to have that conversation because because our children are being disenfranchised because of that. You know, and, and again, you know, we talk about the prison, uh, the, 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 the school to prison pipeline in the States. You know, you know th that's partly what it looks like as well. By the time our people get to court, the treatment our people get in a white court in front of a white judge, white jury is more harsh than what white people get. And we know that to be a statistical fact as well. Right. So <clears throat> so uh, and, and uh, just another little thing about uh, about this uh, uh, case with this foolishness, this sad nonsense that happened to one of our children in this country um, in the UK. Now, if this thing, ha you know, my thing is this, if this thing happened two years ago, right, those people that, you know, that perpetrate this crime, both in the school and in the police, they could have moved on. That you know, some of them could have retired. Some of them could have moved on. God knows where those people are now. So, so you know, it'd be very interesting to find out 
why this took so long to come, you know, to come to two years is a long time. You know, two years is a long time. So those people, you know, let's just say that the issue was with the heck, because at the end of the day, if, if police were called into the school, then that would have gone through at least the deputy head teacher, more often than not the, 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 the head teacher. Anyway, it would have gone through senior leaders of that school. If it's yeah. a big school, that well, no, no matter what size the school is, it would, you know, it would have gone cat. through senior leaders. Yeah. Right. So, 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 so there's a high, you know, so, so there's a good chance that some of those people would have moved on to other jobs. They could have retired. They could have gone anywhere. And the same in the police force as well. You know, so, so, so this is what normally happens with, with, you know, when, uh, when you have racist incidents in this country, right? They drag it out in the hope that, uh, that, that, that people are just going to like move on. And so, and so that needs to be part of the investigation as well to actually bring wherever these people have gone, wherever they've run off to, wherever rock they've crawled under, right, to actually drag them out and, and actually see to them. Can, can I just respond to that, if you don't mind? I mean, that's you, 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 you've nailed it a hundred percent. And this is one of the this is unfortunately one of the challenges of there being a criminal uh, or not a criminal, a civil case being taken against them. I'm happy they're taking a civil case because I want them to get reparation for the family. Um, but a downside of that, as we see with all uh, inquiries of this nature, there's an IOPC investigation into the police. That, that, you know, this is police investigating police, so we know that's going to have a stupid outcome. But the problem with all these processes is that they kick it into the long grass, and so it takes so long. That, you know, and uh, you know, there's people in our community, politicians, and well-meaning do-gooders who kind of like organise these rallies and these kumbaya song and sing-alongs and things like this. Which, like I said, they have a good role, good purpose. But what they do, they dissipate the energy of our people. So our people, the fire that's in our belly, when we know something's wrong and we've got to do something about it, if you ha you're holding hands and taking selfies and singing Kumbaya long enough, then what happens? You kind of just move on to the next issue. And we don't need our people to do that. Something that our, our, our brother from America said that really hit me was when he talked about what happened with his son. And like, you know, and they called 911 and saying that, you know, there's something wrong and same thing, you know, our brother in, in Europe said as well. But the, the, the thing that hit me with that, and, and it came out in this meeting today, is that the school actually made Child Q into an SEN case. An mm. SEN is special educational needs. So you've got to imagine that Child Q was just a regular child, just, you know, kind of like you know, ups, downs, naughty, kind of intelligent, the whole thing, just a, a regular child, human being, just like any other child. And then what's happened after this is that they started self-harming. They now need additional help. They may never, ever be able to be, feel safe in an educational institution again. So the school actually in, created their mental health condition. They created disadvantage and what our brother Andrew what you said about this disparity between how children of European heritage are treated again this goes down to the adultification situation whereas what happens because they are seen as the norm for what a vulnerable child is is that even when they are at the extreme worst and what happens is going to be a level of sympathy and we could talk about what's happening in Ukraine to understand this kind of thing well I don't think we want to go there but this is the same process but what happens is that whiteness is being given this paint of purity and innocence where anything that deviates from that is, is actually then criminalised and treated in a way that is just barbaric. And I think it was James Baldwin who talks about the fact that when you start doing things like that, when you start creating these barbaric monsters in your mind, it says much about you than it does about the people that you are victimising. 
Mm, 100%. Yep, 100%. Context of white supremacy. Uh, If anything, uh, black people all over the world, non-white people all over the world, talk to your children about white supremacy, racism, and said this for some Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, third generation physician. Now, what you just heard, Dr. Welsing was a general and child psychiatrist. She spoke for years about meeting with black children and the types of trauma that they experience in the classroom that they end up dealing with for a lifetime. It's in the archives. She said that she talked to some of the black students where they were some of the first ones to start what they call integration, uh, attending predominantly white classes. And she said that she had a black female. They took her in the bathroom and stuffed her head in the toilet. She had feces in her hair. The white educators would not allow her to go home to take a shower and wash her hair so she had to stay in school for the remainder of the day with feces in her hair head stuffed in the toilet I don't know what the reparations on that is I don't know how much therapy you need to get through that but those were some of the folks that Dr. Francis Cress Welsing talked to now how many generations of black children that's been their experience Dr. Kondrofu speaks about this as well we have a brother Neil Myers who speaks about this about how our children are gifted when they go into secondary school and by the time they come out you know there's something rotten in those institutions and it ain't us absolutely absolutely by design uh, in the system of white supremacy and just that wanted to make sure I got in the other component Not only should you talk to your offspring, your children about white supremacy, racism, I've said wet years before you hit the bedroom. If we are really serious about this before conception, let's you and I talk since we like each other enough to be hopping in the bed and all this. Let's have a serious conversation and put a plan together. We're going to do everything I can that we can to make sure that this never happens to our child. If that means we're going to do homeschooling, we're going to find out if they have independent schools someplace. We need to work to set one up. We're going to do all of this work before we hit the bedroom so that we have at least a nice the first 10 years. We already thought about that before conception, not all of this happens and how we got to think of it that's we've seen that that is not the correct way to parent in a system of white supremacy where race soldiers are waiting for i told you mm-hmm. african 1884 said his child at two do we have some medications but they don't even give you the covid vaccine at two and they're talking about can we he's got some problems to get him we, we have medications we have some Ritalin he's not paying attention he's got some raping tendencies too I think at two mm. the caller was that I'm not sure if that was uh, Adam in Sweden or yeah oh that was our caller oh he's in the states this is the person they called 911 on his uh, son yeah I, I'd like to add one of the points that was made specifically was right on point 
it's so, it, I mean, this is amazing that we're just talking like this and we're on completely different continents and the exact same things are happening. And I say that to say the teacher called 911 not to just, you know, put him in that ward, but they were building a case to put him in special ed. That was her purpose for doing it. Yeah. And I, I had to get a child advocate along with myself that knew the system to sit in the meetings with me to kind of avoid him being put into these special institutions because there's no way a child that in second grade that has is reading at five or six, sixth grade level and do able to do his map, able to do all his work on a higher level should be classified and put into special ed just based off of the fact that he may have behavioral issues, which are non-violent, non-violent. So I completely agree with that. That's amazing that the same exact thing that they did is the same thing with my son. And my son is in a, I'll say this to just give some update, but my son is in a great space now. It's a predominantly black school. The teacher is um, the principal, Dean, is a black male. Uh, We talk about racism, white supremacy every time we meet. And he keeps informing me that my son is getting it. He's understanding the concepts. Now he's giving him the history. So I come when he comes home now, he comes home with projects and assignments based mainly on um, racial, uh, like situations like the Civil War and why did the slaves, why were slaves freed in order to fight for one side? Like he's understanding the historical ramifications now more. So it's, it's, it's just, uh, I'm just glad to have the conversation. I appreciate hearing a lot of the perspectives uh, from different continents. I'll mute my line. Likewise. Thank you, man. Mm-hmm. Brother Gus, I'm, I'm going to have to head off in a sec, I'm afraid. And my boomer brothers. <laughs> we were supposed to be done like uh, an hour ago. So we for no, no apologies. It, this is... it was worth the conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is 1030 or actually, no, it's 930 over there for them, which is still late. Uh, but man, uh, much obliged for everyone uh, participating like this is, you know, I guess for two, for one, this is exactly why Global Sunday Talk on Racism every month, uh, because, yes, it should be appalling. Like, how is it that we could switch to the other side of the world and nothing about our situation would change at all. Like, how is that possible? Global system of white supremacy. And I thought it should be benefit for non-white people to check. Like once we recognize that, like, wow, that is amazing. We have got a lot of work to do. I think that's been said many times today lots of work to do but we will let twin get rest as well as all the other folks it's even later because i think it is 10 30 in austria that's uh african 1884 isn't it 10 30 over there yes sir yeah that's late <laughs> parents folks have to get rest uh we will do it again uh next month we will be looking forward for updates uh from toyin much obliged to hear from you again sir had been too long uh african 1884 Man, keep up the outstanding work with your offspring. Uh, Stay safe. We'll be looking forward to checking in. Uh, Andrew in the UK, glad that we were able to include you. Uh, We'll 
be looking forward to hearing from you again soon. Thanks for sharing some of your evening. Uh, Adam in Sweden, we will keep an eye on the election. Uh, make sure I would, my suggestion humbly would be to include this here report about the uh, sexual racist abuse of child Q in the report for your future offspring. That, uh, yeah, we can all put that one away. Uh, we'll be back later in the week. Much obliged for folks hanging out with us. We did overtime. Hope it was worthy, at least for counter-racist parents, like should be mandatory listening uh, the broadcast today. Uh, sobriety would be best. We need powerful brain computers to solve this problem. We do not need white narcotics for child Q, who did not even have any substance on her. <laughs> Black people should be known worldwide like you have got to be joking. We are all about sobriety to get this problem solved. There is no way a black child had anything on them in an academic environment like please. In addition to being sober, if you're out and about, I guess I'd say especially in the States, but I don't know if you're out and about and someone is being hostile and loud. This is not the time for confrontations with strangers in the States. You have lots of folks who are lots of whites who are armed. You do not want something that you didn't plan to escalate into. Whoa, there is gunfire. And I did not plan for this at all. Unless you planned to kill and or die exit. Uh, this is not a time for random confrontations with strangers so many people are armed. They're not just armed. They're armed and looking for conflict, especially with black people. If you are driving, you're sober, you're buckled up, you're not on the cell phone. We need all of our attention. Try to minimize contact with enforcement officers, badge or no. And we need to be very aware. It is very dangerous times all of your attention so we can be mindful try to stay as safe as we can that said creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person, it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Thank you for that. Sure. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. Yeah. Shut I'm a victim up. of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>